Maddie, I'm really starting to think that 2020 is cursed. Like, actually, literally cursed. I mean, it's a lot going on, but cursed? Yes, global pandemic, historic death rates, murder hornets, civil unrest in the streets. I mean, what else do you need to prove it to you? I guess I see it, but, you know, what, what can we do? Well, Maddie, I can think of one thing. We must call the corners. Oh, hail to the guardians of the watchtowers of the East, the powers of air and invention. Hear us. Hail to the guardians of the watchtowers of the South, the powers of fire and feeling. Hear us. Hail to the guardians of the watchtowers of the West, powers of water and intuition. Hear us. Hail to the guardians of the watchtowers of the North, by powers of mother and earth. Hear us. Okay, let's finish this. I bind you, 2020. I bind you from doing harm. Harm against others and harm against yourself. I bind you. I bind you. I bind you. It's episode 37, Cursed Casts. We have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. Bing, bing, bong, bong, bing, bing, bing. I love China. Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? I just want them to suffer. I joined Donald Trump on the Republican ticket because I believe he has the right leadership and the right vision to make America great again. In 2017, a majority of Democrats turned into alt-left radical psychos. We'll get back to them later. I will build a great, great wall. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water. They turn the freaking frogs gay. Do you understand A curse is an appeal that is intended to cause misfortune and evil upon another person. Now we've all heard of items being cursed and even entire families, but what about movies? The average movie takes about a year to make and in that time it's obvious there are going to be some hiccups and incidents that take place that you could blame on a curse. But there are some movies where more than your average case of bad luck has happened. Add this to the fact that all of these are about paranormal activity or religion and you can see why people think that something didn't want the production to go smoothly. So sit back, hit those lights and enjoy. Welcome back to your favorite podcast in the entire world. The best thing you've ever heard in your life. It's Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. (laughs) My name is Maddie, And I'm Andrew. And we are a podcast that's all about horror. Horror in real life and horror in the movies from an LGBTQ perspective. Woo! And we are here with our 37th full-length episode, which is hard to... It is 37, right? Yeah. I didn't get Uh that wrong again like I usually do. Good. 37. 37th full-length episode. And on this one, we're talking all about cursed casts. That is, casts of films and TV shows that are cursed, unfortunately. Yeah. We've got a good show lined up. Um, what's really cool, too, is that in our horror and movies section, we're talking about a trilogy this time. It's our first time doing that. We usually yeah. just do two films. Now you get a bonus third film. 
because it's all of the poltergeist films. Yeah, and it's easily one of the most reported on curses, oh, sure. you know, around a movie. I mean, there's some other Caroline. ones, um, Twilight Zone, and um, I think you're going to talk a little bit about The Exorcist. Exorcist, yeah. Uh, but Poltergeist is kind of the one that everyone has, like, yeah. n- everyone knows. Sure. Everyone, like, knows all about it. So we'll, we'll cover those kind of things in the horror and media section. Uh-huh. But we're going to talk a little bit about some other casts that maybe you didn't know about that have seen some unfortunate times yeah. uh, in it. You know, and what I will say about this is, and I think you kind of alluded to it in our notes, is yes, a lot of this is coincidence. But yeah. when we put coincidence against like a, you know, a cast of characters were all on the same show, right. it starts to give your mind a little bit more to think yeah, of. Yeah, sure. And I think that that's where we go to curses. Yeah, of could, course. Could these people be cursed for putting on these <laughs> mid-level yeah. uh, teenage TV well, shows. I mean, and hey, listen, you know, I, I know that our, you know, our intros are always silly. We hope you think they're fun. Um, but like, you know, this is a good time to talk about it because, I mean, we're not joking. Like, it really, I'm sure you will believe us, on, well, not believe us, but agree with us on this. 2020 does feel a bit cursed. Yeah, you know, I don't sure. know about you, but like, I feel, I sort of feel like, and this is probably good for us to talk about a little bit here, like, I feel like every week during this, it feels like you go like a step forward and then like three steps back with like yeah. everything. And right. I think a lot of my friends and my family are feeling that way too. Are you feeling the same way? Yeah. I feel like when I watch, uh, you know, when I, I do watch the news, because I've tried to like kind of stay away from it a little bit more lately just because I'm, I'm so, I'm so, so tired. I'm just so tired. Surprised. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. But when I do watch the news, you know, we see some uplifting things. We see some things like, you know, they're making strides towards a vaccine. They yeah. Are like, yeah. But then you go on social media and everyone's at the beach and everyone's at the <sighs> mall or whatever your vacation is. And it's just like, Oh, gosh, I think we've given up. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It is tough. So, I mean, it really does feel like we're living in a curse. And that's actually, you know, a bit of the reason why we came up with this episode was this is probably a good time to talk about it. So let's roll with it. Yeah, for sure. You've got a bunch bunch lined up here. I do. Yeah, I have two main TV shows that – and I concentrated on ones that maybe – Maybe you haven't heard of before. Maybe one. Is... I haven't heard of all of this. I know okay. that. Okay. So um, the first cast that I want to talk about today is the cast of Glee, the Ryan yeah. Murphy show. Um, as you know, in the recent news, unfortunately, um, Naya Rivera was actually found. Um, she was found dead um, from a drowning with her four-year-old boy. Um, they were boating. I'm I'm assuming socially at distanced because <laughs> yeah, they were on a pontoon, right. just the two of them. Um, they were boating on um, in California on a lake, and, and unfortunately, I think the way that they are predicting things is that um, maybe her son got into a little trouble in the water. She had to kind of lift him out of the water, used all her strength <gasps> to get him out of the water, and then drowned herself. She's unfortunately. Um, so a very sad story. Did but the kid die too? No, he was actually found um, on the boat by Oof. by what, what, what do you call water police? Coast guard? Mm, like lake police? Water police? Let's call them water police. Water police? Okay. Yeah. They, they um, wear water wings as well, just in case. Uh, they got their special life jackets. Um, but he was wearing life jacket, and they found she, an, she wasn't. They, they found an adult one on the boat. Ugh. So unfortunate, really, really unfortunate that 
cut her life very short. Um, but this is not the first time that tragedy has befell the Glee cast because we also have Mark Sailing, which if you remember this that story, was a, that, that's such a bad story. I know. Um, in 2017, he uh, pleaded guilty for the possession of child pornography. Um, he purposely downloaded thousands of illicit images over eight months in 2015 that they found. Um, after that, and then right before, right before this, uh, in 2016, a woman actually accused him of forcing her to have sex with him um, four years prior, but the L.A. County District Attorney did not, chose not to charge him with rape because there was a delay in her coming forward. Wow. So that's, it's Mark Sailing. And then uh, a month after he pleaded guilty, he actually ended up committing suicide by hanging. That so. was, I remember, I remember when that happened, that was... Um... It was really weird to hear that news. I know. You know, it's just, I mean, it's it's always weird when you hear about child stuff like yeah. that. But it's just, it's it's doubly weird when, like, you, like, know you Or you know feel like you the know person. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Really just uh, fucked up. And then finally, to round out. Um, this is the tough one. Yeah. Um, Corey Monteith, which I think, th- I think that everyone remembers the story, but. Um, he died at 31 from an accidental drug and overdose, alcohol overdose. Um, they knew um, Leah Michelle, who was his girlfriend at the time, did know that he was struggling. He had been very um, forward with his struggle. Yeah. But it just overcame him over he time. He was a doll. He was so cute. I, st- I loved Cory I still remember when they did. This is back when I did watch Glee. I think yeah. I watched Glee for like the first four seasons. Maybe? Sure. I remember when they did his tribute episode, and it was really... Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, one other thing to just mention <sighs> about the Glee cast is that Leah Michelle has come under fire in the in the past couple weeks from yeah. her um, maybe treating African-American castmates not as good as others. So she needs to uh, get on that apologizing train and start to uh, go through some classes herself. <laughs> so, I mean, like for you, you know, these things sort of happening, like, does this feel cursed to you? I don't know. I, I think with this one, it feels because it's so spread over time. It feels just kind of like more of a coincidence. maybe. Yeah. But you can't help but notice that all three of these actors really never did anything besides Glee. No. Like they they didn't really have big careers they, after. Glee. I mean, well, I mean, especially Corey and Corey and Mark. I mean, like, well, and Naya too, for that matter. I guess I was thinking about Leah Michelle, who didn't die. Never mind, she's yeah. still alive. She's alive. <laughs> but she even, I mean, she has like a Broadway career, but like, yeah, it's not great. Yeah, I mean, you know? it's she has she hasn't done as much as I thought she would probably do. Exactly. You know, so that feels a little more cursed to me that Glee was kind of a a red stamp on their career. Yeah. And that leads me to another cursed cast that I thought felt really weird that so many things have happened to these people. There are many in this one. And it touches each, it touches all of them. And I will say that this cast, none of them really did get super famous. Not really. I mean, they, they, they just kind of were by virtue of being on the show. They're like, they're like Hallmark but, actors. But past that, I mean? that was basically it. But so we're going to talk about a little bit about 90210. A 90210 ran in the 1990s, I believe, for 11 seasons. That's awesome. Um, so they at least had 11 years of fame, I guess. Yeah. Um, and in the height, I remember 90210 was huge. Everyone watched 90210. Everyone watched yeah. that. So let's start with Shannon Doherty. 
Shannon Doherty, she's a claimed um, bad girl. Um, basically, she got that rap very yeah. early on. Um, she was actually fired after season three of both 90210 and Charmed for allegedly being hard to get along with. Um, Aaron Spelling, I don't know why he continued to hire her if he was just going to fire her, but he just did. Um, and she even got in a fist fight with one of her castmates, Jenny oh Garth. God. Um, she was arrested. I or, mean, not a surprise yeah. also. She was arrested in 2000 for um, alleged drunk driving. Um, in 2008, her house was damaged by a wildfire, of all things, to which she has not been, or which she has been in claims court with State Farm ever since. So think about that. You're trying to get your house fixed since 2008, and State Farm won't give you anything for uh, anything, any money. Um, and then finally, like the, the most tragic thing to happen in Shannon Doherty is that she was diagnosed um, and battled breast cancer from 2002. 15 to 2017 she was in remission and then it came back actually earlier this um year and stage four and stage four which yeah. stage four breast cancer usually only has about a 22 percent yeah chance. it's gonna get metastatic yeah. after so that's uh, shannon doherty which is a really tragic story because um although she may have been hard to get along with nobody should have to go through oh my god that. no yeah. exactly and, and plus with you know luke dying yeah well we'll talk year. about we'll talk about luke perry next Ugh. luke perry so let's talk about luke perry Luke Perry was probably one of the breakout stars of 90210. At, Love Luke Perry. At the time Ugh. with, you know, movies like Buffy the Vampire oh, Slayer. Yeah. Um, and in the midst of his career resurgence, you know, with parts on both Riverdale and um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it seemed like he was on the upward trajectory yeah. with um, his career. Well, that cut cut short because um, uh, Perry passed away from a massive stroke in, on March 4th of 2019 uh, at the young age of only 52. Um, he was reported to be in perfect health. Before that was that. so sad. I know. You know, I remember the the day that it happened and I found out I was at work. You know, I was still pretty new in the office then. Um, but we have like this really robust Slack culture. Yeah. And so in one of our like random like talk movies channel or whatever, I put in there. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe Luke Perry died today. And like no one said anything the whole day. What? And then I realized, oh, they're all too young to really know who he is. Oh, God. Like, that's what I was like, oh, that's it, actually. They the just dad, don't really the, know. The dad on Riverdale. Yeah, I had to explain it to a lot of people, um, which was which was equally tragic. So uh, another one that is maybe not resulted in death, but just blow after blow after yeah. blow in her life um, is Tori Spelling. Poor girl. Um, Tori Spelling, um, she's belonged to the famed Spelling family, which is reported at the time of Aaron Spelling's death to be worth about $600 billion or $600 million. Oh excuse God. me. So when Aaron Spelling died, she was set to, her and her brother were set to inherit um, a good chunk of that money. That was part of the plan. Yeah. They were estranged from their mother at the time, and they only ended up inheriting about 800000 So think about that. Total between the both of them? Total. <gasps> so think about that. $600 million, and you get 800000 Where do the rest of it go? Probably to the mom. Holy shit. Um, like, honestly, what does that bitch think she's going to do with all that money? I know. Like, come on. And I did read in some reports that the mother supposedly was... Um, she said she was protecting the money oh my God. because Tori Spelling was um, known to go on like big shopping sprees on like Rodeo Drive. Yeah, she's and, a Spelling. Of course I she know, did. Right. Like what? Like, that, that's what all of you do. 
<laughs> I know. Um, that's not the only part of her life that it just gets, it, it slowly goes downhill, unfortunately, for Tori Spelling. Um, her romantic life was always plagued by problems. Um, her marriage to Dean McDermott, um, who she's still married to, surprisingly um so weird was based in an affair so she was already married yeah they got in an affair together tori that's never it's, it's never a good idea to do that and surprise surprise dean cheated on her <sighs> in tor in 2013 like girl what do you think is gonna happen a cheetah a cheetah girl when you playing with a dirty dog you're gonna get dirty <laughs> Thing, and then hear this. In 2015, she had to be admitted to the hospital after she fell on a hibachi grill in a Benihana on Easter Sunday. Girl, if that's not a sign, like literally from above. I know. Like you need to get your life in order before you get Benihana'd. I, yeah, I was, I was reading about this and she had to go in to get skin grafts Ugh. and like all from a Benihana. Also, how did you fall out of Hibachi. I don't know. There are seats all around it so that you're not supposed to stand on the seats. What are you know. doing? I don't know. Um, and that's where her financial woes start oh, to really, boy. really, really go downhill. Um, she was sued by American Express for failure to pay. She was sued by City National Bank for refusal to pay back a four thousand or $400,000 loan. Yeah. Um, in 2017, the IRS actually drained the couple's bank account after they had cover, they had over $700,000 in unpaid taxes. <laughs> So Tori Spelling, um, lifestyles of the rich and famous. And I I feel so bad for these people, but that's just like, it's some of it maybe is a curse. Some of it is maybe you need to go to like financial counseling. I mean, well, everything's relative, right? You know, I mean, like the the spending that we do is relative to us and the spending that they do is relative to them. It's, I don't know. So Jason Priestley is next. Um, so he um, he he's cute. Well, he was cute. I don't know what he looks like now. I don't. I don't know. I haven't seen him. Um, but he always tried to break his good guy persona because he, if you remember on the show, he was kind of like oh, yeah. the good guy. Um, he would smoke and get drunk during every press interview. Um, this led to him wrapping his Porsche around a, a telephone pole in 1999, resulting in his arrest for drunk driving. Um, he also, um, he's an avid race car hobbyist, basically. Um, and he was involved in a near fatal car accident in 2002, going 180 <gasps> miles an hour. He went head on into a wall, resulting in a boat, broken back, broken nose and a concussion. You know what? That is just destructive behavior. I that know. is somebody who was like crying out for help. Like, help me. Yikes. Um, so yeah, Jason Priestley also have you know, a tragic life. Um, Jenny Garth, um, hers is a little bit more um, in in health. Um, So in 2002, she was actually diagnosed with a leaky heart, which I don't know if you know what that is, but it's basically where when you breathe, the valve in your heart that usually is only supposed to go like in and out. Hers goes in and in and in and in and out, 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 like it flutters. Oh and she God. even reported that if she's like laying on her back sometimes, she can feel it. <gasps> so it, it, it's a treatable disease. Don't but, tell my heart, yeah. my sneaky, leaky heart. It could uh, develop into something worse down the line That's where she sad. may have to get a valve replacement. Heart, God, heart stuff freaks me out. I know. Jesus. Heart, and lung, heart and lung stuff freaks Ugh. me out. 
Um, and then she had some trouble with her um, marriage as well. Uh, during her first marriage, coincidentally, on the set of An Unfinished Affair, <laughs> she engaged in an affair with Peter Fascinelli, uh, which uh, basically demised her first marriage. And then she married Peter afterwards, and they've sort of gotten a divorce since as well. What do you all think is going to happen when you're cheating this much, everybody? I know, I know. What do you think? I'm not saying that you can't go out and fuck people. I'm saying you don't get married. cheat on people. Yeah. Don't marry people. Fuck. Um, Brian Austin Green, uh, his is a little more in the personal life category. Um, he's He was embroiled in a bitter custody battle with his first wife for over eight years. That's a lot. So, I mean, if you remember, he was married to okay. Jennifer, Megan Fox. Oh, yeah, like yeah, Jennifer yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, He lost a civil suit against his ex-wife, alleging that he had given her over $200,000. So just imagine eight years of your life, you are just fighting with your ex-partner, <sighs> trying to get sole custody or not. Wow. So, um, I remember I, re- I read a little bit about this, and she basically said, like, we fought day to day on, I had, she said, I had to fight day to day to basically have myself portrayed in a good light so that they wouldn't take away my kids. Jesus. So he's kind of a, I don't know. I think he's kind of a piece of crap. Yeah. (laughs) He has, he has three names. He has to be. Um, Ian Ziering. Ian, Ian Ziering. Is it Ian? Ian Ziering. Ian Ziering, uh, claimed actor from the Sharknado series. That just shows his level of fame these days. I was going to say, (laughs) is his unlucky thing just being Ian Ziering? Like, sweet guy. Um, his is mostly in the love life portion um mostly unlucky in love he's been married and divorced two times with his wife alleging that he didn't even help her with moving expenses upon mm-hmm. their divorce so it sounds like kind of a sleaze bag there. yeah nah, sorry i don't mean to cast judgment but well, sure you know, the facts are the facts uh and then finally gabrielle carteris i believe is how yeah. you say her name which she actually if anyone's the most famous out of these she's probably the most famous because she runs sag Oh, good point. So, it's true. Actually, I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So, um, but she actually suffered um, facial nerve damage Jesus. in March of 2008 when she was filming stunts on the movie set Past Tense, which I don't even know what that is. I, I don't know it either. Um, the injury left her face partially paralyzed and was racked with intense spasms and affected her speech for more than six months. That's that's a lot. Well, what's a lot? Is a string of people. I mean, how many people is that we just went over? That's a lot. Yeah. You went over like one, two, count. three, four, four five, five, six, six seven, eight, eight? Nine, 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 nine people. people. Nine people in one cast with lives that have all ended up towards the dark end of the spectrum. Right. Yeah. That's a lot. You know, but I, I guess like what is a curse? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I guess like the I mean we're we're calling this curse cast like I think maybe what we what we even mean is more like unlucky yeah terrible yeah, yeah. things a, happening yeah. but then also too like I mean is there a curse is there not you know I think like it's interesting to think about what you believe is a curse you know like when I go back like into my life like people know I'm Croatian listen old country shit there's a lot of old country shit <laughs> and like Croatians believe in curses this is what it is you yeah. know and like my uncle John he put a curse on our family when my grandma, who was from Italy, told my grandpa, who was from Croatia, we're not helping out your deadbeat brother anymore with oh literally paying off the mafia for debts. And so my Uncle John, I don't know what the curse was. I don't know what he said. All I know is that with my grandma and my grandpa in the room, he said a curse. He put out his hand. <laughs> 
and then he left for Las Vegas, like, and that was the last we saw. Of him. Like some witchy business? Yes, without a doubt. Like some gypsy, yep. whipsy. But the thing about my family is that we believe in curses. You know what I mean? And so, I think that's one thing to think about: is that do you believe do, in it? Do curses exist, or is it does it take the power of believing for it sure. to come true? And 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 who knows? Is it a know? self fulfilling prophecy? Well, and I mean, like you know, with these people. You know, from 90210, for example, just because there were so many. I know. Like, it's maybe it's not necessarily of the curse aspect of it, but maybe it's like, you know, people who just don't believe that their lives are going to get any better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, think about, like, Jason Priestley, like, constantly drinking and driving, like, thinking that's going to, like, do something for him. And then, you know, running into a fucking brick, like, literally running into a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's weird. And, you know, I, a lot of things that have happened in my family, I won't even go through them. But, you know, some things have been attributed to Uncle John's <clears throat> curse. Uncle John is dead now. He's he's dead. Um, so uh, supposedly fool, <laughs> fools on you, or uh, you know wh- whatever curses on you. Um, he's a he was a really interesting guy though, and wrapped up in mafia shit. That was That's some weird. crazy shit. I'm glad that it never touched my part of the family. Um, I want to talk just a little bit about The Exorcist, um, which is an interesting one because there are a lot of opinions on where the bad stuff in the cast came from because you know it's a movie about exorcism obviously it's a movie that is concerned with the devil and with a very specific and real demon from mesopotamia called pazuzu Mm -hmm. that wasn't like you know taken from nowhere it's a real wasn't made up mythological thing um which also as a reminder to people that is where the movie begins in mesopotamia in northern iraq and with uh father marin finding the little the little head of yeah. Pazuzu and then approaching the statue later. Um, and, you know, honestly, you know, I, I was watching Shudder's Cursed Films again um, last night. And if you haven't watched it yet, you should. Because, I mean, it really is, it's good stuff. There's, the, you know, Poltergeist is on there, The Omen is on there, The Exorcist is on there. I think they're okay. Yeah, well, so the one about The Exorcist. Is that the one where they bring on, like, the witch? No, they bring on an, they bring on an exorcist. <laughs> and the, the issue is that... <laughs> Like, exorcism is an actual thing. Like, people yeah. do it. It's like it. a practice. It yeah. is a practice. It's originally a Roman Catholic practice. And before that, it was, you know, a practice of, you know, multiple pagan uh, communities across the entire world getting rid of a spirit um, that they believe has inhabited a body. Um, what I wish they would have done instead of bringing in some, like, really weird off-the-streets guy who yeah, used sure. to be a furniture salesman. Like, right. You learned that in the interview. Like, I really wish they would have just gotten a Catholic priest to talk about exorcism. Yeah, that would like, have been a much better interview. It's like bringing in the guy from Ghost Adventures to yeah. talk about, like, serious it, stuff. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, th- that being said, there, there's some good stuff in there. Like, you know, they've got Linda Blair. They've got the the woman who played Pazuzu. I can't remember her name right yeah, now. Yeah, it was interesting to hear about Linda Blair and her back problems yeah, from that Yeah, I know. Movie. Well, you know, because she got hammered by the fucking thing that was making her go up and down on the bed. Um, but... You know, there, there's sort of like two schools of thought on this. If you believe like there, you know, was more than just coincidence happening, sure. happening, and it's either that the devil was like happy about this movie being made, or the devil was pissed about the movie being made. Oh, that's interesting. And so, you like either way, because it's like, well, the devil wants you to know that he's real, or the devil doesn't want you to know that he's real, so that then you'll go out and play with the Ouija board. You'll do this. You'll yeah. do that. You'll do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Catholic Church was heavily behind the production of The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. And once it came out, I mean, they were like, yeah, this is great for us. It's going to bring in a ton of people to church, right. which it did. Um, but then on top of it, too, before we talk about anything with the cast, um, once the movie did come out, um, there was a lot of stuff that happened with people going to see it. So people were fainting. People mm-hmm. were puking. People like couldn't go back in the theater, all of that. It later came out, somebody confessed to Linda Blair 
that that was actually a lot of marketing. Um, that there were a lot of those situations where people were probably paid like 20 like bucks the, uh, to do it. It's the William Castle uh, way of yeah, thinking. Exactly. So. Right. But in the cast itself, a lot of things did happen. Yeah. Um, one of the first things that happened was that the sets, the sets caught fire and burned down. The only part of the set that didn't was Reagan's bedroom. That's which crazy. Which in itself is very strange. Yeah. It was after that moment that they brought in a Jesuit priest to do like a blessing on the set to get that thing going. And Jesuits would know the, the Roman ritual over really any other sect within the church. There were a string of deaths that happened. Um, anywhere from the assistant cameraman, um, his baby died during oh filming. Um, the, the guy who refrigerated the set he died. Refrigerated the set? Yeah, to like like make it really cold for like the steamy oh, scenes and everything. Oh, okay. Um, Sorry. He <laughs> for died. some reason I had a hard time wrapping the, it um, The night watchman, like like the security guard, he died during filming. Wow. Max von Sydow's brother died on the first day of filming. Ugh. Like they start filming that first day and his brother dies, dies mysteriously that day. Linda Blair's grandpa died that day too. That all happened in that short space of time. And crazy. you know, one thing to think about too, and like Max von Sydow talks about in a couple of interviews, you know, across different documentaries about The Exorcist, is that The Exorcist filming did take a little bit longer than usual. So like Max von Sydow, he didn't believe in the curse. He was like, you know, things most, happen. Most movies yeah. you're going to be filming for maybe 4 weeks max. He was like, we filmed for I can't remember what the total length was, but much longer than that. And he was of the, of the mind that, you know, things just happen. And if you have that many people from that many different parts of life for together for a while, like, yeah, shit's going to happen. Yeah. So that's one way to look at it, too. Yeah, it's, I think that's the whole thing about this whole episode right. that we're talking about. Like, is this stuff because something was being made or because yeah. something was used in the filming? Or is it just a series of coincidences? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and there were some things like, you know, um, like people talking about like the harness for Ellen Burstyn and, and her getting hurt when yeah, she was drawn yeah. back to the wall. <clears throat> talking about the harness for Linda Blair and the bed how that like came apart and ended up just like punching her in the back really hard fracturing her spine by yeah. the way um those things i don't look at all as part of the curse that's just billy friedkin being billy friedkin yeah i think it's just not a good uh stunt coordinator <laughs> yeah i mean like billy like he he made sure that that ellen was pulled really hard against the wall because he wanted that reaction yeah and he was kind of known for that like as good of a director as he is he was kind of an asshole when it came to that shit um, but I think still the craziest thing about the cast is when um, when they're doing the angiogram on okay. on Reagan, right? So they got her hooked up. They have to do all the crazy shit to like get that X-ray of her head, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. So when that happened, and you, you can hear more about this in, in a lot of other interviews, but um, when that happened, uh, Billy Friedkin went to the hospital to like go check out what it would look like. And the people that were doing an angiogram that day, he hired them to be in the movie. Oh, yeah. And so, like, the doctor that was doing it hired him. And then also the technician that was there hired him, too, who was Paul Bateson, who turned out to be a murderer. And oh. he murdered a reporter from Variety, Addison Verrill, um, and uh, fucking murdered him. And this is the same guy who's on film, on film right there. And also, Paul Bateson is also in Mindhunter in season two. Oh, he's one of he's one of the killers that that um, 
oh, the woman in the show in, in, yeah, in, I in Tokyo. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. her name right now. But she goes to interview him in jail because he's like the gay like serial killer because oh. they tried to pin him to a bunch of other killings that had been done in a similar way from gay bars in New York City. Okay. Um, so, you know, he killed Addison, who was, who was also a gay man. Um, and then he ended up like calling Addison, to, uh, calling another reporter to say that he had done it on the phone. Like a bunch of crazy shit happened with this. But like when you think about all the deaths, you think about the fires. You think about the fact that randomly a, a killer happened to be part of the cast as right. well. That's a lot of That's shit. That's a lot. <laughs> you know? And it really does come down to, yet again, like, you know, was this a curse or was this coincidence? And I think in the end, it's sort of like exorcism itself. It's like either you believe in this and you believe in possession in general or you don't. Right. And you believe in curses or you don't. It's kind of like that movie, um, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, yeah, like where they yeah, will go right. on trial, yeah. basically. But yeah, it's super interesting stuff. It really is. And I you hope know, when that we, when neither we, of us ever get a curse on us. Well, I already have one, apparently. <laughs> um, I don't think it's been lifted yet. We'll see. Except for this year. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But I mean, like when we talk about Poltergeist too, like you know, we're, we're going to have a lot to talk about there. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing. I mean, a lot. And this is not going to be a surprise to any, anyone listening right now. But a lot happens right. during those three films over a, you know, what is that, a six-year span, I think? Ish. Seven yeah. year? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, was it because of this or was it because of that? And I think that's what's interesting about curses also is when it comes down to the way you think about life, is life just a long string of coincidences for you? Or are things ordered? Are things predetermined? Are things supposed to be? Are some things ordered by a force beyond us for you and your sensibility? It's something to think about. Yeah. How do you sure. feel about that? Um, I like to think that we mostly create our destination, but I do think that there, because we exist in a plane with other people that are also trying to get to their destination. Yeah. Things are going to happen because you're crossing paths with other people that you're going to have to make decisions. It's that yeah. fork in the road mentality. Do I think things can be cursed? I don't know. Hmm. I haven't thought about that enough, I don't think. I, it's I like, a tough one. Yeah, because it's it's like a lot of things. It's like, it's like fucking coronavirus. Unless you come face to face with this stuff, a lot of times it's really hard to wrap your brain around. Yeah. Like it's really hard to like, get behind it right um i like to think that you create your own destiny to a certain extent and there is a, a variable 25 percent that could it's change like things. it's like terminator 2 there is no fate but what we make yes remember? exactly I, I i guess for me like i feel i feel about it kind of like the same way i feel about ghosts okay right? which is like there's a lot of energy in the world energy gets left behind <laughs> And the same thing with curses too. Like hmm. sometimes there is so much hate, so much, so much energy. like dark energy, yeah. so much like um, anger, hatred, whatever, that it can like maybe get imbued into things or left behind around a family or left behind around a cast or yeah, I like a movie or something. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the way that I feel about it. And then it just has to, its energy just has to kind of play out, play out. Yeah. yeah. I, I like it. Well, I think that that will wrap us up for our horror in real life. Hope none of you are cursed. Yeah, we, we hope no curses are on you unless they're good ones. Yeah. <laughs> is that, that was so stupid. I love it. <laughs> um, but uh, we will take a short break and we will come back with what you've been watching, bitch. What you've been watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. 
Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for What You've Been Watching, bitch. What You've Been Watching, bit, 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 bitch. <laughs> and if you've never been with us, this is literally where we just talk about what we've been watching. It's bitch. pretty simple. Yeah, so. that's it. Um, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. So uh, one of my first ones is In Search of Darkness on Shutter. It's brand new. I have not seen this yet. Um, You know, it's cute. It, it's oh, That usually means it's just it's cute. Well, I mean, it's literally, it's 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 what Shutter does often with things, yeah. which is just like getting a bunch of people. It's kind of like our show, getting a bunch of people together to talk about horror films. Like, that's literally all that it is. And so, What's like, the angle? The angle is like 80s horror films. Okay. okay. We, and, and honestly, it is a nice trip down memory lane. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's good. You know, I've, uh, it's a little weird seeing Joe Bob on there talking because everyone knows how I feel about that whole geschmickle right now, but, um, there it is. Um, it's good though. Nice, good chats about just good 80s horror films. There's not really much else to say about it. I, I would say anyone who's, who listens to the show, you're going to like it. So watch it. Yeah. Um, it's definitely worth it. Uh, and I think it is something actually that Shudder does do well. I don't mean to, to like demean the, the style of it. Um, because Shudder is good at curating guests that know what they're talking about. Yeah, sure. So I think it's it's really worth it. It's not that long. Like I got drunk the other night and watch it is it just fun. like interviews it's not it's not really like the interview format you know how it's like they just like pull up a movie and like like there's like riff tracks there's like phil phil nobile and he's just like talking about it you know what i mean huh. like that okay. kind of thing all right maybe i'll try it's it. good yeah you'll trust me you'll like it okay um my first one is something i slept on and i feel really bad that i slept on it still haven't watched it sorry, um, sorry jamie this is uh hannibal's uh, seasons one through three which are now on Netflix, so you can watch them. They're also on Amazon Prime. And that's the that's the whole show. It's the whole show. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, did not get renewed for a season four. Stupid. Um, this show is it's it, it's it's amazing. I, I'm really sad that I slept on it when it was first on. I uh, did not watch it because I was like, oh, it's NBC. I don't want to see an NBC version yeah. of Hannibal. Like, I want my you know. I want my gay rights now, darling. <laughs> well, I wanted like my you know movie Hannibal's, uh, where it's a little more visceral and crazy. But this show is visceral and crazy. Yeah. Like the first season, I had many times where I was like, I had to look away. Like oh it was God. so gruesome. Um, excellent show, great cast. It's got your girl Scully in it. Oh, Jillian Anderson. Jillian Anderson. Yes. She plays a part in it. Hugh Dancy is really good. Oh, I love Hugh Dancy. Um, I forget Mez Marsden. I believe is James his name. Marsden. No, Mez Marsden. Um, who plays Hannibal? Um, he's okay. most famous for playing a Bond villain. You got me so excited about James Marsden because you know I, you know I love him. <laughs> One day we'll do disturbing behavior. Uh, oh yes, we will. Oh god. <laughs> but um, if you've been sleeping on Hannibal, go back and watch it. Yeah. Uh, we blew through three seasons in about two weeks, so it's really easy to watch. Ten episodes a season, about forty minutes each. Really that's gonna stuff. be. That's, I'm gonna do that next week. It's really good. I'm. I'm a little sad because I did hear that um, season four was supposed to be around kind of the Clarice storyline. Oh, they never got to that. So that's how could they not do that one? Well, it's all about. It's more based on the characters from Red Dragon. Yeah, yeah, sure. So it's more about that. Um, but well, we love our Clarice. <laughs> There's supposedly a new CBS show coming out called, about Clarice called Clarice, and it's supposed to be about. Her time right after. Yeah, uh, maybe you can watch it if you subscribe to CBS All Access. No, thank you. So stupid. <laughs> um, my next one is called Come and See. This is an older film. Sorry. 
What are you laughing about? Just that title. I don't know. What are you worried about? The word "come." I don't know it? what drew you to that title, Maddie. Uh, I know what I know. What Andrew's brain is on. Um, so, "Come and See" is a uh, it's a film about war. Um, it is from the eighties. My 80s. favorite. Oh yeah. Um, it's on Criterion. Um, it's incredible. It's probably one of the most incredible war films I've ever seen because I've never it even is, heard of it. it. It's the reason why I heard of it is because on Criterion they do a lot of like sort of like five minute interviews with various directors, um, and they did an interview with Karen Kusama, um, you know, director of Invitation, amongst other things. Um, and her interview just really was compelling all about this film that she went to go see at a film festival. Did you not talk about this last episode? No, I talked about it with you when we got drunk. After. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> um, and so it, it seems like it though, right? Um, so though um, in this interview, she talked about how she went to go see it at a film festival. It disturbed her so much. She had to go back the next day and see it again. And so I was like, Oh, well now I've got to watch it just once at least. Yeah. So watched it. And it's, um, it's out of this world. It's it's all about Belarusia during um, during World War II okay. and how the Nazis just. I mean, the Nazis obliterated that country, just obliterated it. They, I mean, they killed like eighty percent of the people there. It was yeah. insane, um, and every Jew there was just completely massacred, as you might imagine. And so this follows the story of uh, a younger boy and a younger girl, and there are eyes through this just this mayhem in Belarusia, which I, I know nothing about. Yeah, I don't either. But it is, it is terrifyingly sad that the, the kid actors, the, the, the boy and the girl are phenomenal. I mean, absolutely fucking phenomenal. And the guy who made it, I totally forget his name right now, but um, the guy who made it, this was the only film that he made. Oh, wow. He had one film in his heart to make because his family was from Belarusia. This is the only one he made. And after he was done, he was like, Nope, I'm done. That's it. It is harrowing. Huh. It will shock you. Um, it's really, really worth. You said it's time. from the '80s, uh, like like the late '80s. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Really, really good. Come and see on Criterion Collection. Cool. Uh, my next one is a newer film on VOD. I believe we paid six ninety nine. Ooh, that's expensive. You rich girl. <laughs> um, this is uh, the rental. Um, this is the directorial debut of Dave Franco. Oh, really? Yeah. So he made a little horror movie. Oh, I remember the Francos. Yeah. Um, it's got a really good cast. It's like um, Allison Brie. Huh. Um, it's got the guy, Dan Stevens. God, I don't think I've even heard of this, actually. It just came out on VOD randomly. Huh. Um, and I heard some other people talk about it, and they said that it was pretty good. So I was like, you know what? Ugh, let's just pay the $7 and watch it. I, I wonder like, if it's like a quarantine release. You know what I mean? I one of those kind of things. I mean, I guess I could see this on the big screen. It'd be yeah. a little hard to sell in a trailer. I yeah. Think. And I went into it blinded, did not watch the trailer, so I can't tell you to either watch or don't watch. Yeah, it. yeah, sure, so, sure, sure. Um, but it's a kind of a more of a slow burn slasher movie. Um, it's got a lot of homages to things like I know what you did last summer. Mm, okay. Um, Halloween. Is like it is it funny stuff. scary or is it scary scary? It's no, it's definitely it's like drama scary. Okay, good. It's about four people who, um, two couples, uh, two brothers and their significant others, are going on a vacation to a beach rental. So like okay. Airbnb. Oh, the like, rental. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, and it's just about them being there, and stuff starts to happen. Huh. I don't want to give anything away. So okay. I'm not, but I, I would definitely recommend it. So, I mean, it's, it sounds interesting. Maybe wait for it co to come down a few bucks. Okay. But I definitely recommend it. I love Allison Brie. I love Dan Stevens. It's got the kid from, um, <sighs> oh God, Shameless. He plays Lip. 
Oh Shanks. God! I, oh my God! He's so cute. So I, it's a good cast. It's fun. Um, yeah, he's really cute. Okay, cool. The rental. Um, my next one is called Fear City. It's a limited series on Netflix. Hmm. Um, it's all about the mob and uh, oh, Michael the, started watching this. The yeah, other day. it's about the five reigning uh, mob families in New York City and how they were brought down. Um, it's, it's a good series. If you're into mob shit, which I am, I mean, you just heard me talk about my family and the mafia for God's sake. Um, it's really good. It's, it's, it's a good, it's a good show. What's interesting about it is that, um, Rudy, Rudy Giuliani's in it. Okay. Because there's no way around it. Like, I mean, he was the, you know, acting attorney general for the Southern district of New York. Like he, he has to be in it. He was the, he's the one who like made it happen. Yeah. Um, when they brought down all five of the families at once. Um, but it's weird because Rudy Giuliani is just such a piece of shit now. Right. He's such. <laughs> he evolved into a piece of shit. He is such garbage. He's just, he's garbage for what he does. And anything good that he ever did, like, you know, and listen, I don't agree with his politics anyway, but, you know, being mayor during 9-11, that couldn't have been easy. But anything good he ever did has just been wiped away. So it was weird to see him give contemporary interviews about his time as AG. Sure. Like, talking about that stuff before he became such a piece of shit. Yeah. So like, I don't know. It was, it was weird. It's, it's, if you're into mob history, you should watch it. A lot of stuff in there that I did not know for sure. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was good. And it's also really short. It's only like three episodes. It's definitely a Four uh, blank space in my knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Like sure. I don't, I don't know a lot about the mob or even yeah. the mafia here in Chicago. Like, yeah, I just don't, it never been something that I was interested in, Yeah. but I, it, it's also something that I should probably know something about just yeah. to, to know. But. Well, I mean, it's, it's a really fascinating part of our history because, you know, you're not alone. Most Americans really don't know about it. Yeah. But like when you, you know, I, I'm Croatian, but I'm also Italian. So like when you have Italian heritage, like you just, you know about this shit. Yeah. And like, especially like when my parents were growing up in Gary, right by Chicago, that was like Al Capone's stomping grounds, yeah. you know? And huh. like my grandpa had to give money to the mob all the time so that they wouldn't like, you know, for protection or whatever. Yeah. Like my dad hated the mafia and growing up he made sure that my brother and i like also had that (laughs) that in our heads too um he wouldn't let me watch goodfellas when i was a kid and when i finally could watch it i was like oh that's why i get it yeah yeah Yeah. apart from all the cocaine and murder yeah yeah (laughs) Um, but that's fear city on netflix um the next one that i have is a limited series on cw um this is a product of quarantine um Mm. it's it's called killer camp this is a show that previously aired on BBC America. Oh. And huh. they essentially CW bought it to air it on CW for American audiences during quarantine. So it was kind of like, well, we don't have any other stuff, so Interesting. we need to like you, you, use stuff. You, you got to invest in something. So this is a reality show based at a summer camp um, where people are competing for money, but there's also one of the contestants is a killer. <laughs> And you got to try to figure out who the killer is. Oh, that sounds like fun. And it's got, I, I was totally expecting going into this to be like, you know, CW, like whatever. But the, fir- the first death happens and it's literally a girl on a Segway and she gets clotheslined by like a razor wire and her head comes completely off blood goes everywhere I'm just... wait, wait 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 this is a reality show yeah, yeah like like real reality or it's like they're filming a reality show and that's the show no well it, obviously the murder is like staged like how quote. do they do that it was it was i just wasn't expecting it to be so bloody oh my god like... 
All right, I'm, I'm totally good. I, did, I didn't know that that was happening. I'm going to watch that. Yeah, it's a fun show. I mean, yeah. if you're looking for like dumb reality shows, which I always am, like it's just fun. I'm looking for any reality that is not our reality. I understand. Yeah. So Killer Camp on CW. Got it. Remember when CW was a WB? I do. And they had the frog that would say, a WB. Yeah. And uh, when Buffy had to move. Yes, I do. <sighs> I was wow. so tragic. Uh, my next and final one is Host on Shudder. Watched I watched a, this last night. Watched a lot of Shudder this week. Um, Host is a uh, brief film. It's about an hour long. Yeah. Um, it's, the, uh, it's the size of a Zoom. Exactly. Because <laughs> it all takes place on Zoom. The director is Rob Savage, I believe his name is. I think that's he, right. Yeah. He retweeted something of mine this week. Thank you, oh. Rob. Um, talking about Host, because my I think my tweet was like, Host really just teaches us that ghosts hate Zoom happy hours just, just as, as much as, as we, we do. do. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's basically about that. There is uh, a group of women that get together over Zoom. Um, it's during quarantine, so it's happening right now. And they've all kind of like met over the internet, but some of them are kind of friends, it seems like. It seems like maybe like some of them are like close friends and then there are offshoots yeah, from like right. those people. That's kind of so what I gathered. The main girl, Haley, uh, brings in like her cousin or something. Um, Someone who, she hired. Yeah, whose name is Salen. And Salen is like a psychic sort of medium person kind of thing, yeah. right? And so she's going to do like this fun like seance with them over Zoom. Where you can like talk to your dead loved ones. Yeah, and, right. And yeah. so like they all have like their trigger item. They've all got like this. They're all ready to go. And of course, like there's going to be people like goofing around and doing shit. <clears throat> I won't say the name. Um, but, you know, like things happen and things happen and things happen. And... You know, what happens is probably what you're thinking is, yeah. you know, listen, there's a seance going on. Something's got to happen in this movie. What do you think? Ghosts come in and, and shit starts to occur. Um, it's a good little movie. You know, it's an hour long. Um, it's well worth your time. I for liked it. Sure. I liked it a lot. Um, you know, <laughs> for me, it was um, for me, it was a little difficult to watch because you have to think about how much I am on Zoom. Every sure, day. sure, sure. Like I'm, I'm on Zoom. There are some days for work where I'm on Zoom for literally 10 full hours in a day. So like watching a movie that is also completely on Zoom literally felt a little bit like work. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was interesting. So, um, you know, the, but beyond that, I think it was really cool to see like, you know, people not letting quarantine completely ruin their artistic endeavors. It's the thing that I admire and also am most annoyed about in quarantine is that people are getting creative. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it was, it's, 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 um, it was well done. Um, there, I just want to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are some parts that like, I think I would have directed differently. I think it takes a little bit too long to get into the, to the action. I agree. And, and I'll be honest, like, like the one major like pinging moment that like sort of sets the action off I really wish it had been written differently because I, okay. I just I was kind of like I knew that was going to happen. And that was like, man, it, I, I feel like I've seen that so many times. I really wish that it would have been more in earnest instead. I don't want to give anything away, so I'm not going to. But I'll talk with you more about that later. Yeah, when, sure. When I have more drinks inside of me. I yeah, I, I, I randomly saw who did I see post about this? I don't remember. What but I saw people? someone say like it was so good. And I was like. Okay, it's only an yeah. hour long. I'll give it a try. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I mean, is the acting like, are we going to get any Oscars for this movie? No, like, God, no. no. But like, no. is it a fun way to spend an hour? Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. So, yeah. I really enjoyed it. And I 
was trying to figure out how they were doing some of the effects. I was so. too, because it, it, you, you should watch it literally just for that alone, mm-hmm. because you will walk away going, how did, how did they do that, that, and that? I'm purposely talking about the thing with the chair. I wanted to know that too. how they did that. I mean, there's, but. but there's other things too where it's like, how? Yeah. Anyhow. Anyway. That is host on Shutter. It was funny though, seeing like there's at one point, one of the girls has to leave the house and she grabs her surgical mask and like puts it on. Right? I was, was like, like well, yeah, girl, I'll get your Here mask. we go. Here we go. <laughs> Throw it away after. <laughs> Anyways, my final one is The Beach House, which is also on Shutter. I talked about this one in the last one. Did you? Uh-huh. Okay. I, that's just make my memories. Yep. It's not good. But um, I watched The Beach House. I think that the first half is good, and yeah. I think the second half is not so good. That's kind of where I'm yeah, at. Yeah, it's it's an interesting movie. I, I think um, – well, what else do you think about it? I just think that the this, this setup is really good. So we have a young couple that are kind of um, on the outs, maybe trying to get back together. Something's yeah. going on there. They go to the um, one guy's uh, dad's Parents beach house, beach house yeah. and there's other people there. And there's like a really good like weird building tension because yeah. you're like – are these really friends of the dads? Like, and then it just takes a complete left turn oh, to yeah. sci-fi town. Oh yeah. And the sci-fi part just didn't make any sense to me. Like there were creatures, but the creatures didn't do anything. Well, don't, don't give away too much. I know. And it, there, there's just a lot of elements. Yeah. And I don't, I think that this is the product of someone had too many ideas and wanted to stuff them all into one movie. I, I think it was a really good effort. I, I, one of the reasons why I really liked it is because I thought the acting was actually really good. Yeah. No, the, the, she's the main girl. Is very she's good. so good. And I love that. And then once again, I'll, you know, like I said in the last one, it was great to see like a smart young girl. Like she's the protagonist. It was like, funny. I loved though, seeing that. Whenever she gives like her like little speeches, it's so like, oh, I just learned this in college. So oh, I'm for gonna, sure. Like, but I mean, like that's you know that that's like how it is. I know. And like the guy is just he's, he's I think, the worst. I think he's really cute, but he's, he's also he's insufferable. Very, he's got a very punchable face. Oh, he's insufferable. <laughs> um, which goes to show you that's people that I'm attracted to. This is why I'm still single. Yeah, um, insufferable assholes. And then finally, for our last pick, this was picked by our new patron. Thank you, Akela Pratt. Akela, thank you so much for your patronage. Akela, thank you for being a patron. She gave us two options. One we had already covered on the show. Which one was that one? 30 again? Days of Night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I watched The Last Shift. Tell us all about it. The Last Shift is currently on Netflix. I believe it was made for Netflix. Okay. Um, it's about a woman who is literally uh, overseeing a police station on its last night before it closes and like moves wow. to it, like moves to a new building. Okay. Like they're just like moving records and yeah. stuff. Um, but she just has said the last, the last shift. And, um, I don't want to give anything away, but things start to go crazy. Uh, maybe something from her past is catching up to her. Oh shit! Um, it's it's a solid movie. I got to tell you, um, it's got a great twist at the end. Hmm. Um, I was thoroughly entertained the whole way through. Sounds like a Kayla has good taste. Yes, it does. Um, a Kayla... and she does have good taste because she listens to us. Exactly. <laughs> and a Kayla is one of our patrons from Patreon. And if you're interested in becoming a patron on Patreon, that's so many P's. P P P. Um, it's very easy. You just go to patreon.com slash Friday 13. You can be a patron for as little as $1 a month. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. One cool thing that we are very proud of with our Patreon system is is that we never put any content behind a paywall ever, ever, ever. We never will, as far as I know. So you just get to help us become better, honestly. Mm-hmm. Better equipment. 
when we can go to conferences again, it will help us with that. It will help us with it will help us with a lot. Producing a podcast is more expensive than you might think. Yeah, and it's also a good way to connect with us too. Like exactly. there's a private messaging system on there that you can kind of send messages back and forth yeah. to us. We'll definitely get back to you. You can pick movies for us. Yes. And even if you really want, we'll get on a Zoom call with you. Yes. If you want to pay if you want to pay that much. We absolutely would. So just think about it. If you got some extra some extra bucks, you want to toss them our way. We'd love you for it. Yeah, we'd appreciate we, it. We love you anyway. But yeah. And that wraps up What You've Been Watching, Bitch. The house looks just like the one next to it. And the one next to that. And the one next to that. A young couple live in it. Give Ken a kiss. <laughs> you are so unlucky. With their three children. <laughs> And something more. And now for the horror and movies section, we're with you for our first of the trilogy of Poltergeist. First time ever doing a trilogy. It's good. Well, let's fucking do this. Let's Andrew, tell us about Poltergeist Part 1. Poltergeist, made in 1982. They're here. I didn't do that very good, but I'll try again. Nice try. You can do it you can do it in the in the next one. They're here. That's much better. Steve Freeling li- lives with his wife Diane and their three children Dana, Robbie, and Carol Ann in Southern California where he sells houses for the company that built the neighborhood he lives in. It starts with just a few odd occurrences such as broken dishes and furniture moving around by itself. However, when he realizes that something truly evil haunts his home, and takes his child, Steve calls in a team of parapsychologists led by Dr. Lesh to help him before it's too late. Ooh. It is directed by supposedly Toby Hooper. Uh, it is written by Steven Spielberg, Michael Grass, and Mark Victor. Um, I'm not going to go through producers. I mean, Frank Marshall is kind of the more the big one yeah but um steve freeling is played by craig t nelson diane freeling by joe beth williams dr lesh beatrice Strait, dana freeling by dominic dunn robbie freeling oliver robbins carol ann freeling is heather o'rourke uh and then it kind of goes from there with finally ending with tangina played by zelda rubenstein so, Maddie, tell me about a little bit about your experience, uh, maybe before this viewing, uh, about Poltergeist and kind of what you thought this time around. Yeah, um, you know, Poltergeist is a, a movie from childhood. Um, it's rated PG, which I forgot. How? Like, and, and I don't really understand how that's possible, but it I think it's because was because. Well, I can tell you. I can tell you exactly. Spiel, why. Spielberg. Uh, well, it was it was two things. PG thirteen didn't exist at the time. Oh, fair enough. And um, it originally did get a rating of R, but they made cuts to the film so that they could get it down to PG. But I mean, you know, here it is, PG. I mean, and and to be honest, like this is sort of the family friendly horror movie, except for when he tears his face off. No, no, for sure, I get it. <laughs> but like, or when they're actual skeletons. Well, I mean, here's the thing. You know, like like I hadn't watched Poltergeist for for a good long while before like last week and then I, I watched it i think i watched it two and a half times basically for this for this episode um I, I i remember being a kid and watching it i remember i remember specifically like really 
finding the horse that gallops in the mm-hmm. air in the, in with the like bedroom. The, with like the Hulk on it? Yeah. I, I, I distinctly have a memory of like laughing at that when I was a kid with my brother. Um, this viewing um, was really interesting. Like, it's really interesting, especially to like look at the ways that part one and part two start. And we'll get to part two later, of course. But for part one, this is a distinctly American horror film. Oh, yeah. And it sure. opens up with the national <laughs> anthem. I mean, like, there it is, right? But that's also what used to like turn our TVs off at night. Yeah. Like, back in the day, kids, TV just stopped. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't think a lot of like younger folks that are listening to the show remember that, but I do. Mm-hmm. Um, when you just couldn't watch the TV anymore, it was over. They would play the anthem and it was done. Mm-hmm. That's all. Um, so it was really interesting to kind of, you know, feel that again and to really understand like what we were getting ourselves into. And this also, is like, like parenting in the early 80s. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? But also, like, this is an American family of parents trying to do it. Like, it's it, just everything was very distinctly American. This wasn't like some like ghost story from somewhere else. It's very much he's, ours. He's even reading the autobiography. Autobi- the, the the biography, biography of, Ronald Reagan. of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, it's just there's a lot going on. Um, I had a lot of fun watching it again. Um, I fucking loved love Tangina. Mm-hmm. Um, like I and I really do mean it. Like, you know, we we talk about in our in our contemporary context so many like different um, like really fun horror movie characters. Sure, we do not mention Tangina enough. nearly <laughs> enough, like at all. Um, but there were, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to talk about in here. How about you for 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 your viewing? Um, Poltergeist is one of my all time favorite movies. Um, we'll talk about the sequels later. Um, but this movie, it caught me at the right age to where it certain parts sparked you off. Certain parts of it scared me shitless, and certain parts of it just felt so magical. Yeah, like it's right. it's got that Steven Spielberg it really does vibe to yeah. it. It's even from the very beginning where we follow the dog to get introduced to each of the yep. characters. It's just it's so Spielbergy and like echoes back to a time in filmmaking that just feels like it's not the same anymore and so this is like nostalgia bomb yeah um but there are also parts of this that freaked me the fuck out like the last 20 minutes oh fuck yeah (laughs) it's terrifying um but no uh poltergeist i think that there's something so earnest about this cast yeah uh especially the parents they just feel like parents. They feel like a real family. Yeah, they do. And yeah. I don't know how they, I don't know if they maybe spent time together before the movie to like try to develop that dynamic or what, but like whatever they did to kind of develop that. And maybe it's just the acting chops. I'm not sure. I think, I think it's just actors who understand how to just live simply under imaginary circumstances. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and that is like a definition of acting from Stanislavski. Acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. That's all that it is. And there's just so many moments in this movie that are so understated. Yeah. Like there are so many small things, like when Dr. Lesh gives her kind of her soliloquy about uh, <sighs> life and death. And, and honestly, it's so good. It is. Oh my God, it's Do- so good. Actually, Dr. Lesh, I think, is way underrated. I agree. I think that one of my favorite parts is when they're like, oh yes, uh, once we filmed a Matchbox car going across the room in- for seven hours, and they're just and you can just see it in um, Jill Beth Williams and Craig T. Nelson's eyes that they're like, yeah. oh, get ready to see this then. And yeah, they open the right, door right. going crazy. And then the, the horse comes by. And then in the next scene, she's like trying to you know they're having trying to have tea and she's like shaking and like, yeah and she's got that flask with I love when Joe Beth Williams when she's getting ready to leave and she kind of Joe Beth Williams holds out the flask and it's just like turns it upside down and she's like oh you drank all this while you were here huh and yeah she's like right? yeah so I did 
<laughs> but um, no, there's so many great moments in this movie. Um, one part that used to freak me out so much was the steak. That can we talk about the steak also? Yeah. Okay. So first off, if you don't remember the steak part, it's when one of the parapsychologists team. Um, he's like, I'm going to go get some food. I'll be right back. And you, you, it's led to believe that you're going to go get a snack. Like, like, like he's going to get like some more chips or something. So he goes into the fucking fridge and pulls out literally the dry aged steak, just like <laughs> a big old steak, like a T-bone. And it's like two in the morning. Like he's going to fucking cook it in a pan in their kitchen. I know. I, I, I have that noted in my notes. It's so fucking weird. I'm like, this fucking guy thinks he's entitled to their steak. Like, it's just such an odd, it's such an odd moment in the movie. Like it, anyways, go ahead. Um, but he then, um, the steak starts to crawl across the, which he puts it flat on the countertop, which is which totally is also weird. Like it's, it's it, the whole steak thing. Like, this movie is mostly well done. The steak thing is one is one choice that I, that, that I question. Yeah. Um, and then he goes into the bathroom because he wants he has to puke in the sink, and he has an illusion of um, which is which is in- incredibly terrifying. Yeah. Honestly, I mean it hasn't aged on like that well, but he starts tearing his face off essentially. And I noted in the notes that those hands are actually Steven Spielberg's hands. Are they really? Yeah. So he did that. Huh. He did that. Interesting uh, gag. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, the, my favorite part of this movie is there's a couple parts that I really love. Um, I love the beginning when she first discovers kind of the anomaly. I still want to know how they pulled off the kitchen chairs trick because it's one continuous shot and you can't see the strings or anything. And I can't and I can't see the cut. Like I do wonder if it was magnets. Oh, under the floor. No, no, no. I'm talking about when it's stacked on them. Oh, when they get stacked. Yeah, because yeah. she's she pushes in the chairs, and it's one continuous shot of her going to the sink, getting the cleaner. And it's not CGI. And it comes back, and it's just all there. Yeah, CGI didn't exist. Exactly, right. Like <laughs> So, I mean, how... And also, like, that is a part of the film that is... That is pretty scary. Yeah. Like, I mean, like... I, I, uh, it's like later on in the movies, like monsters become more a part of this, which I was not very into. Um, but like for this initial part, the beast, you mean? Like when when the ghosts are doing things, um, those are the things about ghosts that like kind of freak me out the most. Yeah, they're just going to kind of trick me. They're going to tease you. Yeah, in some way, then it's going to leave me thinking more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was. It's wild. To see I love that. that part where she gets um, Carol Ann to scoot across the floor. Yeah, and the Carol Ann's reaction is, "Mommy, that burns. That burns." <laughs> okay, she's like, "The floor needs more wax." Yeah. Like back back when we used to wax the floors, right? which I remember doing. Right, we had a buffer in my house. I remember. Are you serious? Oh yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, and in that same moment, I love that when um, Craig T. Nelson first comes home, uh, <laughs> uh, Carol Ann's first words to him are, mother didn't make any dinner. I know. <laughs> we'll go to Pizza Hut. And later on, she's like, I want a pepperoni pizza. Yeah, um, and I guess in the trivia, I, it, I don't know if you noticed this, but in that moment, there's a really weird cut. Like, right where they go from them in the kitchen over to the neighbor's house. Yeah. It's like a very abrupt cut. And I did notice it this time. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. I found in the notes yeah. that that's because in the original cut, Craig T. Nelson goes on a tirade about how he doesn't like Pizza Hut. But Warner Brothers took it out because they didn't want to disparage Pizza Hut, which was a sponsor. I mean, probably smart. Yeah. To just, be honest. It's just interesting. Like, that's, that's also, like, that would also be a kind of a weird thing, to be honest. I will tell you, this was the first time when I watched it, and I don't know if it's the Netflix edition, or maybe I just hadn't seen a good, clear cut of it in a while. Yeah. 
I could hear the voices in the static. Oh, I did too. Like of yeah, the ghosts. Absolutely. Me too. I had never before, heard that before. I had never heard that though. Yeah. I, it, that must be an enhancement, right? Well, because I've or, seen this movie a lot of times. Or we just had better speakers. That could be it too. Maybe. Honestly. Yeah. I, don't I mean, know. we do have better speakers now. I think another thing too is, you know, just the whole setting of the film. I mean, like it's in suburbia. It's classically suburban. I mean, one of the first indications that we have of that is a dad, you know, riding his kid's BMX bike, carrying a case of beer. Oh, my God. If I was that guy, I would have kicked those kids like Oh, me asses. too. Totally. But it was so, like, early 80s. I know. In, I know. You know? And also, too, speaking of kids, you know, I, I really thought a lot about kids and sleep during mm-hmm. this. And, you know, the, the uh, Robbie has a lot of problems sleeping because he gets scared of, scared of storms mm-hmm. and he gets scared of everything from what we can tell. He's scared of a tree outside and a Just lot a of really other weird, stuff. It's a really weird transition into the next movie. We'll talk about yeah, that yeah, for yeah. that. But something about the sleep thing really stuck with me on this viewing, too, which was, you know, the way that kids look at sleep is kind of like the way that, like, dogs look at when you leave the house. You know, like, they don't know if you're coming back. And the way that kids think about the future and the way that, like, the future seems like such a scary thing mm-hmm. we don't know what's going to happen next and i really love how spielberg does sort of like explore that in his films and i even thought about like et which came out the year before this i think or the year after close it's close it's it's either the year before or after i can't i can't remember but i really thought about how you know et is about a family and poltergeist is about a, is, is about a family and in et it's kind of spielberg's thing yeah and in, and in et it's a family it's a, it's a divorced family and in this one it's a family who's maybe a little more functional it's, it's it was really interesting to think about the way that he looked at both of those families and explored them and yeah it is interesting that there's like these little there's little things that you just so appreciate about his yeah. style of filmmaking is like even in the writing when the, she's putting the kids to bed and they're like closet light closet light i'm like we yeah. did that exactly like, you know right. that's something that we did yeah um and i found it hilarious and i, I think it's like one of the best scenes in the movie is when they're just smoking pot on the in the bedroom which was totally and, and that's another like totally normal thing well that's know? what i was gonna say is um as a child well, let me let me rephrase that as an adult yeah i when i first got my first whiff of weed yeah i was like oh that's what that smell was. oh my god like, that's hilarious. From, from childhood yeah, so right, like right. it's very accurate of the time yeah sure um i i do remember um two having two tvs in our house and having yep. the lines crossed with the remote. oh yeah totally um i think that surprisingly enough a lot of the um uh what do you call it a lot of the the effects yeah still hold up pretty I thought, well I, yeah, I think so too like when there's there's a moment where kind of a I don't know if I'll say angelic, but like almost like a statuesque female yeah. type apparition comes walking down the stairs and it's like so beautiful. Well, I mean, we sort of see that reflected again in part two. Yeah. With, 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 the, with, grandma. with the grandma. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it has like all the orbs, you know, kind of coming down. Yeah. And uh, there's a really, uh, there's, I think Joe Beth Williams and Craig T. Nelson act their asses off in this oh, movie. 1000%. I have a little bit of an issue later on, but we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, just the way that she just like becomes the mother yeah. and he just like becomes the father. Yeah. And I, I love the moment where Tangina comes in and the dad is so skeptical and he's just like blowing her off and everything until he finds like, I'm trying to send her with my, with, with my mind. And she's like, I don't like when people screw around. With I don't me. like bullshit answers. Yeah. Basically yeah. T- Tangina, let's go back to her again. 
when she does walk in from that point forward, she's a fucking icon. Oh yeah, in this movie, I and it's it, I, I mentioned that now because in part three she's so misused in so many ways. It makes me very upset about that film. Um, but in part one, she's just. She's really Zelda Rubenstein is brilliant. Uh, yeah, my one of my favorite parts is where she's kind of telling Joe Beth Williams' character, you know, I'm gonna need you to kind of do whatever I tell you to do, whether it goes against your beliefs as a Christian woman. Yeah, <laughs> like I just love that she gives like these like little soliloquies right. that are just like so brilliant. I mean, she's she's totally powerful, and she's totally like. She knows exactly who she is. She knows what she has to do. Mm-hmm. She has some killer lines. Tell her she's going to get a spanking. Yeah. I mean, like, she's always telling you the truth, no matter what. And at the end, motherfucker, when this whole movie's over, when she's down at the bottom and she just kind of poofs her hair and she goes, this house is clean. I will say, though, in this watch, just because I've seen it so many times, yeah. my reaction to that was like, is it, though? Actually, it's not. <laughs> Uh, but 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 we we believe that it is, and no matter what, she's just she's such a fucking little badass. My like, favorite truly. moment with her is when they are getting ready to go into um, the other side, into I the guess. light, yeah, into yeah. the into the light to go save Carol Ann. Um, they have an exchange between Joe Beth Williams and uh, with Tangina, where she basically is like, "I'm going in," and uh, Joe Beth Williams is like. She's not going to come to you. Like, she doesn't know you. Like, I should go. And yeah. she's like, Tangina's like, you don't know what you're doing. And the Joe Beth Williams goes, you don't either. And she goes, you're right. You go. <laughs> I just love that. It's so good. It's, it's perfect. It's the way she delivers it. She's like, you're right. You go. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, too, is, you know, you've got Spielberg as a writer on this, too. Right. You know, like, he knows what he's doing. And it's it's clear his filmmaking style, his art, just shines through mm-hmm. in all of it. Mm-hmm. And thank God because you know it, it really kicked off something. And you know, frankly, we didn't talk about the budget on this and the and the gross budget on this is ten point seven million. Oh, that's gross. Nothing. Gross is seventy seven million, which in nineteen eighty two is a lot of money. Huge. I mean, this movie made a ton of money. So I mean, of course they were going to make two more from this. Um, but there's a reason why, right? I mean, like. This movie is not a bad movie. This is a great horror film. Um, it's a great film in general. And it's no surprise that audiences back then, you know, absolutely just went straight to it. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about any of the curse stuff along the way? Or do you want to save it for the end? Why don't we save it for the end? Because okay. we do have two more films to talk about. Okay. Um, the only thing I will say about this movie um, that brings it down just like a point five for me is what uh, is the whole tree tornado scene. Yeah, it's weird. It just comes out of nowhere and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And there's no repercussions from it. Yeah. Like there's no, you know, it breaks through their, half their house for God's sakes. Yeah. There's a tornado that tears up their backyard. It just. It seems like a weird moment just to get Carol Ann abducted. Yeah, fair enough. But it's it's a minor thing. It's a mi- very minor it thing. Also, it also takes a lot of time. It really it really does. Yeah. And I don't like dirty people, and they just get really dirty. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so I, I will say uh, Craig T. Nelson, early crush. Early crush. God, not a surprise. Not a surprise at all from you. Such a babe. <laughs> Truly. Um, also, I was wondering if Robbie had more teeth by the end of this movie. Maybe. I kind of thought they did. I was like... You grow teeth really fast. There kid. is a there is a moment where um, it's shot from the side yeah. with the TV in the background. Oh yeah, with his buck teeth. And I'm like, wow, those are some buck, buck teeth. teeth over here. <laughs> but that pays off in the sequel. Come so. on, buckwheat. <laughs> um, okay. Anything uh, else on part one? Um, did you know? 
Um, well, we should talk about the asshole, the oblivious asshole boss guy. Oh my god! Oh, without a doubt, piece of shit. Um, so if people haven't seen this movie. Basically, they build a neighborhood over a burial. Listen to, listen to me. Anything else in part one? Yes, clearly we do. <laughs> a burial ground. Um, they build houses on top of it. They don't move the bodies. The bodies are still there. Yeah. That's why the haunting happens. Um, but it's all around this kind of like asshole. And, yeah. he, and he's so oblivious. Like when he comes to their house to like g- talk to Craig T. Nelson, there's like stuff going on all around him. And he's just like, oh, faulty wiring, huh? Like, <laughs> yep, that's it. Literally with coffins coming out of the ground right now, <laughs> right. you son of a bitch. Uh, but he gets a good comeuppance, I feel like. Yeah, I think he does too. I wish he would have died, but that's okay. It's okay. Um, the last 20 minutes are... It's PG. The last 20 minutes are just... You think... this the is one skeletons. Of those, you think what, this is the movie where you think, oh, it's over. Like, yeah, it's not over. And then it just keeps on going. It wasn't clean, Tangina. Did you notice on the Holiday Inn sign at the end, it says, Welcome, Dr. Fantasy and Friends. I did not notice that. <laughs> so I want to know who but Dr. That's, Fantasy is. That's kind of amazing. Um, did you know Joe Beth Williams actually was really hesitant about to shooting the swimming pool scene because there was electrical equipment <gasps> all around? So she was like, I don't want to go in there. Oh my God. So to comfort her, Steven Spielberg went into the pool with her to film and said, well, if we get fried, if something happens, we both get fried. And so that like helped her do it. Wow. I mean, that, that wouldn't make me feel much better. I know. I'd be like, uh, okay, why don't you just die in that uh, case? The clown puppet, the, the, the big, we'll talk more about that for sure. The, that's part of the, the lore. Yeah. Um, but that's actually still on display in planet Hollywood at Caesar's palace in how, in, uh, Las Vegas. So if you want to go see that when, when quarantine's over, I, you know, who doesn't love a cheeseburger from planet Hollywood? <laughs> I've never been to a planet Hollywood. You you're missing literally nothing. <laughs> um, and then, I do sort of miss Las Vegas though. A little bit. Yeah, I do. I do. I miss traveling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I miss going anywhere. Um, uh, Joe Beth Williams also had a supernatural experience yeah, while yeah. during the making of the film. Uh, whenever she came home from fil- filming, the pictures on the walls of her house were crooked. Every time she fixed them, they would go crooked again. Mm. So that's kind of interesting. It is. And then Zelda Ruby, Rubenstein also had an experience when a vision of her dog came to her and said goodbye to her. Ugh. Hours later, her mother called and told Rubenstein that her dog had passed away. That's pretty crazy. So that's some weird Maybe she's shit. actually really... Psychic. She's really Tangina. Tangina. Zelda's is the character that she plays. God, both good life. names. Zelda and Tangina. <laughs> Tangina. I, I keep saying Tangina. It's it's because of vagina. I know. That's, that's why. I know. It's, it's in my head. Um, I think that's all I have. Let's rate this one. Okay. And then we'll go straight on to number two. Well, we're going to take after, a, after oh, a break. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, I, we rate on a seven stripes. I, I sometimes I hate explaining this every time. Now. <laughs> um, we grade on a seven stripe scale for the seven colors of the rainbow yep. because we're Friday the 13th. Um, I'm going to give, uh, Poltergeist a 6.5. I'm going to give it, um, I'm going to give it a six out of seven. Okay. You know, it's not my, it's not my favorite horror film ever, but you know, it's, it's in my top 10 for sure. It's a great film. It's a classic American horror film. You can't really miss this one. Like it has to be part of your canon. Agreed. And that's it. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll take a break and we'll be back with, with more Poltergeist. Poltergeist two, the other side. God is in his holy tent. Earthly thought, be silent now. Daddy? Now, before it's too late. You're gonna 
gonna die in there. All of you, you are gonna die. And welcome back. We are ready to talk about Poltergeist to the other side. Ooh. Maddie, why don't you tell us a little bit about Poltergeist to the other side? They're back. The Freeling family move in with Diane's mother in Arizona in an effort to escape the trauma and aftermath of Carol Ann's abduction by the Beast. But the Beast is not to be put off so easily and appears in a ghostly apparition as the Reverend Cain, a religious zealot responsible for the deaths of many of his followers. His goal is simple. He wants the angelic Carol Ann. This film is from 1986, and it is directed by Brian Gibson, written by Mark Victor and Michael Gross. Uh, Diane Freel, it's really mostly the, the exact same cast, to be honest with you. But now we are joined by Taylor, who is played by Will Sampson. Kane, played by Julian Beck. Grandma is played by Geraldine Fitzgerald. Uh, an old Indian. Yes, I put this in here because we have some Native Americans up to talk about, but credited as old Indian is John P. Whitecloud. Uh, comes in at about 91 minutes, which is shorter than part one. Um, filmed, of course, in Arizona and California. Budget was $19 million for this, and cumulative gross was f- about $41 million, essentially, um, and rated PG-13. Interesting that you say shorter than the last one, uh-huh. because to me, watching both, I felt like part one moved quicker. Um, I guess I'm not. This just felt longer. I guess I kind of could see that. Um, yeah, I don't know why I'm. Why am I like going back and forth about this? Like, yeah, I I, I, I get what you're saying. It's yeah. just so there's an obvious dip in um, not only. Well, let me let me let me think of how to say this. This is filmed much darker, and by darker, I just mean everything is darker. It is like it's not as vibrant. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Or like, it's just weird. Like, but but I mean, also, it is a very different setting than part one, right? I mean, like, if you even think about how this all starts, it starts part one once again starts off with the national anthem Mm -hmm. and suburbia and then part two we are in a very different place we are in the middle of like of like the sonoran desert and then there is you know there are these two native american dudes on top of a rock structure how the fuck did they get up there that's a good question (laughs) um but you know what i mean people climb all the time you never know anyways they're doing this in his jeans they're doing this native american ritual i mean like and it starts off with like a native american like like song from that ritual, yeah, right? I so almost wanted very different beginnings, which tell wanted, us right away two very different films. Yeah, I almost wanted subtitles during that because I did want to know what they were chanting about. Mm-hmm. I was just very interested in yeah, like, sure. what that ritual was. Yeah, um, and I'm sure somewhere out there somebody's talked about. What oh, the I'm sure. Was, but yeah, um, I didn't do that much research. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, because I mean, part of it is like when they when they, we'll talk more about this in the in the uh, the curse part, but. When shit started happening on set, that guy, John Whitecloud, came and did stuff, like right. actually on set to like, you know, I kind of think do it was, an exorcism. I th- actually think thing. it was Taylor, not the was it Was it Will Michael. Sampson? Yeah. I thought it was John No, it was, I remember reading about oh, it. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, but anyway, so Poltergeist 2, we find our characters in a uh, house with Diane's mother, who uh-huh. we are now getting some more supernatural psychic abilities from the family. They have the shining. Yeah, they have the what are they what the shine? Is that what he calls it? He, he doesn't say that in here, but it, like it's the what I wrote down in my notes watching this was like, "Oh, it's kind of like the shining but with these people." Yeah. <laughs> Got it. And we 
learn that Cuesta Verde, their original neighborhood, has kind of been abandoned. Yeah. Um, everyone has their houses for sale and such. Uh, and they are living with Diane's mother because they're going through a little bit of financial hardship because yeah. the insurance company will not give them money for their previous house because their house is missing. Yeah, which is just insane. Well, and, it, and it's hilarious because like Craig, Craig T. Nelson reacts exactly like how he should react. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, it's like, I'm, I'm going to call them. Like, I don't know. It's just that whole tirade in the bedroom. I just, it felt so natural. Oh, completely. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It felt like a, once again, it felt like a real family going through real things. Yeah. And so he's trying, he's a hustler. So he's kind of um, a salesman. He's a realtor. He a salesman it. of all trades. Right. So he's gone into selling vacuums or whatever people will buy. Um, they're just trying to survive and trying to get back on their feet. Yeah. Uh, based on the last movie. Um, and then Reverend... Is it Reverend or Pastor? Reverend. He says okay. Reverend. Reverend Kane comes into the picture. Henry Kane. This man lives in my nightmares uh, yeah. as a child. Yeah, he's he's he is honestly terrifying. <laughs> Knowing what was going on with him at the time, watching it this time around was a little more sad. Yeah. Um, just because we know that he had been diagnosed with stomach cancer right. and he was going through it at this time. That's why he has, you know, the enclaved features yeah. and, and whatnot. So it's a little sad, but it makes for a great horror villain. Oh so my God, totally. To use that to your advantage, I applaud you, sir. Uh, he's got this cadence and his speech that is so chilling um and i i know that i'm gonna use this as the the filler in between but when he's like you're all gonna die yep it's just like it's so crazy um i i, I think it's funny that halfway through the movie craig t nelson gets a haircut because at the beginning he has like a, a mullet <laughs> also i wrote down i wrote down robbie has more teeth now and braces and braces yeah which that part to me when i was a kid was terrifying oh when the braces literally engulf him and mm-hmm. wrap him on the ceiling terrifying one thing about this movie that they, uh, I don't want to say it suffers from, but it maybe is a trope of the horror movie genre, okay. is that the wise old Indian guides them through the whole thing. Yeah, and you know, we, we got to talk about this. There there are there are some issues. It's But it's not as bad as what it could have been in the early 80s. Yeah, but you know I, mean, I mean, or like, mid-80s. I, I guess, mean, I get point. it. It's just, ugh, it's it's pretty... It's 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 not like super egregious, but I mean we're also two white guys talking about this. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. But like it, it's definitely it's it is cringy watching it now, mm-hmm. um, especially like Craig T. Nelson's sort of like, um, sort of like uncomfortability with him like as a Native American. He literally says, "What if he's an escapee from the tribal asylum?" Yeah, which I also wrote down. And also like it's not just him. Like when the, when he when he's painting the kids painting Robbie's face to like be a warrior the mom reacts really strange to that right it's just, there's a lot going on that was very odd especially for a family who just went through part one I know like did you forget like literally your house got sucked into the fucking ground like in front of your eyes and Tangina has given like, like the okay yeah so I mean it's just it, <sighs> I just wish that that hadn't been in the writing. Yeah. It would have been much better if that, whatever conflict the writers were trying to put in there, it it may have worked back then in 86. It doesn't work. It certainly doesn't work now. That 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 does not hold up. And that's a real shame because I think part two is, is good. It just could have been better without that shit. It's just like a step down for me. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's not. It's not like a giant leap, but it's like a step. Yeah, well, and it, it makes you, it's, especially in today's world, it makes you feel like, oh, 
That that really sucks. And also, Tangina Tomb Raider doesn't work as well yeah, as Tangina Psychic. Right. <laughs> but right. There, there is something, unfortunately, lost with her character from part one to part three that sort of diminishes over the way. And, well, I, and, I, I, and I think part of it is just like, they, they, they don't know how to write her well in two and three. Well, I will tell you that this movie originally was, I think, 121 minutes. Oh, and they edited it down. Uh, and most of her scenes were cut really? from the end. There have was, have it, you watched any of those? No, but I did read about that there's one scene where Reverend Kane tries to get back in the house. And it's essentially when um, Diane and Tangina are trying yeah. to, um, when they're examining the photos and yeah, trying yeah, sure, to like, right. get the, the history yeah. of Reverend Kane. There's supposedly a scene where he comes to the door again and huh. tries to confront Tangina. And they have like a whole thing. Yeah. But it got edited out. I mean, I guess I could see that because I mean, maybe that, that might have been too much the way that you're describing that now. Like, yeah. I, I can see that being sort of time that we don't really need. Mm-hmm. I guess I just mean that there's a certain... Um, there's a certain earnestness. God, I, I, I love earnestness in movies. I really do. But there's a certain earnestness to her and to her performance in part one that we just don't get again. Yeah. Do, do, do you know what I mean? I agree. Yeah. She's not featured as, as much. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love the the phone and the doll gag oh, that yeah, they do in this. Totally. I think that was really effective. Um, <laughs> once again, the dad is totally not sold on anybody until they prove to him that he can do it. He calls he calls Tangina a magic munchkin. Oh my god. <laughs> just like, oh my god, she just saved your family's life. I mean that's the thing. It's like, I mean, what else do you need to go through to just like be open to everything? Because I, I don't know what else you could possibly need. I know. I, beyond like your daughter almost being killed by a demon. Right. Your son being eaten by a tree. And also, like, by the way, oh, wait a minute. Oh, your other daughter. Oh, wait She's a minute. gone. Where is she? Because she never gets mentioned again, which is sad. And we'll talk more about this later, of course. We keep saying that. But by this time, the real actor, Dominic Dunn, had been murdered. Yeah. But it's just weird that they wouldn't either A, recast. Or, or just say she's in college. Or B, say she's in college. Like it would have been... Truly simple to write that in. She's at Harvard or she's at whatever. Like, she just is never mentioned again. Like literally anything. Instead, she's just gone. Even in three, which, which we'll talk about. I don't know. That 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 uh, that actually is like it bugs me. Dominic Dunn being murdered, and we'll talk more about that. But like that's sad enough. But then like her legacy is just kind of gone. It's it's one movie, and that's really sad. I yeah. think. Um. I think that there's some some quotes in this that I really enjoyed. Um, of course, we have the what is the song that he sings? Oh God, I forget. God is in oh. His holy temple. I wrote that down. That's in, that's it from the Bible, actually. Well, I mean, it's it's a hymn, or, not from the Bible. I'm sorry, from church, from well, the Psalms. Well, I mean, it all it, it it is in the Bible, and and it is also you know a classic hymn. Um, I think that. Uh, you're gonna die in the hair. <laughs> um, I like. I really like the part where at the sh- they're at the shopping center at the beginning, and Caroline's like, "I've talked to the kittens. They want to come home with us." I know. <laughs> it's so I, cute. I also like it when Taylor says, "I cahoot with no one." Yeah. I was like, "Oh wow, there we go." Um, there's one really, really, really sad quote in this, and I only picked up on it this Which time one? around. Um, it's when the grandma is talking to Caroline about her drawings. Oh, is it? Is it? Maybe I don't want to grow up. Grow up much? Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's 
knowing what happens to her, it's just like, oh, it's it's gosh, it's, it's pretty it's awful. Really sad. Yeah, I I felt the same way because I also wrote that down. Um, and another thing too, I want to bring up about Dana being gone. Right, is what I really like about Poltergeist Two is that it's a solid sequel because it starts off right where we left off. Yeah, it's like a year later. Yeah, I mean like. There's not some crazy other story. There's not this. There's it's not, not another that. family. Yeah. I mean, like, we, we were talking earlier before recording. Like, it's not like Descent 2, which is like, why? Descent 1 is so good. Why are you doing this in part two? And, like, all of a sudden, everything is completely different. Like, what are you doing? Like, this one relies on how good of a story it already has and just picks up right there. And, yeah, Keep it's going to add some more stuff on. But that is one of the things about Dana being gone is like, oh, that's the one part that you didn't do right. I know. You know. Anyways, go ahead. Um, the part that always sticks with me in this one is that we have an added layer of possession yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Um, is that the tequila worm? <laughs> um, which I don't know. Have you ever have you ever drank a, a tequila worm? I've I've never I mean, I've seen them. I've I don't buy tequila with I do love tequila. I don't buy it with a worm. Um, and I've never had the worm. I accidentally did. Um, well, you from... didn't. You didn't chomp it, did you? No, 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 no. It so was just the bottom of the. Bo- it. It's just the bottom of the bottle. Um, it was at my college graduation, Oof. and my brother had bought a bottle of Mexican te- tequila when he was yeah. in Mexico. Yeah, and we finished it that night. Uh, and I didn't even it. I didn't even know it was in there. Like I didn't even know. Yeah, exactly. And then it just like happened. But wow, it's just weird. Um, but that part where he pukes it up, Ugh. I'm just like. And that creature, and then the comes creature out. that it becomes is that's a whole lot. Which that was actually an amputee stuntman. I don't know and if you knew that. I did not, and that is really that's kind of awesome and insane at the yeah. same time. Wow. Um, one thing I wrote down to you about the worm part is that one thing that happens in parts one and two is that they're always getting to their kids so late. I know. It's always like something happens, and they're like, "Oh my god, Robbie!" Yeah. And it's like, "Oh hey, you've been here before." The kids are always going to be the target. You got to go to them right away. Right. <laughs> Not five minutes later. That's there's, how I felt. There's, a, there's a problem now. I didn't bring this up in the first one, but that's how I felt in the first one when they, um, the house is clean, but then they put yeah. them back in the same bedroom. Right. And I'm like, right. Right. Why? Like, come on. Or just fucking move. Could you? <laughs> right. Um, another thing that I thought about too was when, uh, remember when they go to the diner? She like yeah, shits yeah. out and they go to the diner and then like the one woman becomes like the grandma. grandma. Yeah. When they go into that diner and it pans across those two ladies and she says, like, I can't believe you got me up at 4 a.m. to tell me about this. I'm, I don't know why you still see him. And she's like, because I like him. <laughs> I laughed so hard last night watching that. It was it, it honestly, it was sort of like brilliant direction. Mm-hmm. Like The way that they make these two ladies like part of the story and weave it in. It's something so simple, so funny. It's just, it was really good. And I love that part. L- let's just say the ghosts are much more aggressive in part two. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> they, they are really coming home. Yeah. Um, there's a part that I thought was kind of like, I don't know if it, if my, in my mind is like kind of magical, is when they show like, I, I believe that the parents are talking about like the ghosts and like they don't have yeah. anywhere to go. And it just shows outside and all of these a bunch like, of them are coming toward the house. Coming towards the house. Yeah. I just thought that was really like good direction. And also sad. I know. Like, like it everyone's, is, it's I mean, sad. It, these ghosts are the parishioners of a reverend that sent them to yeah. suicide, essentially. And it, <sighs> these films do make you think about death. Yeah, for sure. Do. And, you know, like one thing we sort of forgot to mention was, you know, the you talked about like the soliloquies that Dr. Lesh has in part one. You know, one of the things that she says is there is no death. 
And, you know, like thinking about like, you know, what do we really believe about what happens after we die? Sure. And, you know, what happens to the energy and where do we go? And are some people staying here and they're just mad? Are some people watching, you know, what's going on around them and they can't take part in it? So it just makes them upset. It's it's a, it's an it's an interesting way to think about ghosts beyond just a ghost story happening. But like, what if people are stuck because of something like a madman keeping mm-hmm. them in a cave, you know, below the ground when they can't get out? And I did like that it wasn't only his ghost. Yeah. Uh, right. When when I think it's Tangina or maybe Taylor, I'm not sure. When he explain when he or she explains that he's. Uh, a demon inside of a man yeah, who's right, a ghost. Right. Like that really like struck me this time around. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's a really interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah. Like this isn't just like a ghost story. This is like the beast taking a energy and using it for its his own yeah, things. Exactly. Um, yeah. And the parts where they show the parishioners in the cage and there's like kids. Yeah. And that's that's tough stuff, man. It was. I mean, like like the kids crying because they can't like they can't they're hungry they're thirsty they know they're gonna die like especially when they when they show you the corpses for the first time right and you see some of them reaching out toward him sad scary i think that this this movie is 75 percent a great movie and then i think towards the end because of some of the special effects that they chose yeah. to feature right. it kind of falls apart a little bit i would agree um the other side is just depicted very and and the creature is very weird well i don't know if you felt the same way but i was like oh there's definitely some of the inspiration for the creatures in stranger things oh i didn't even think about that definitely felt that last night i was like oh yep that looks like a stranger things i just think it's funny that we go from um kind of the i forget who does the score on this but yeah we go from like that that kind of score to like we go to the other side and it's like the omen all of a sudden well <laughs> like, you know what i think scores in part one and two blow part three's score oh out yeah of, totally i gotta tell you this i'm gonna tell it to you now and i'll <laughs> tell it to you in the next film too the score for part three is one of the worst I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it is so bad. It's so bad. I guess I didn't pay attention to it. Oh, God, I hate it so much. Um, so we should say that this movie does feature the first death of the yeah. um, of the movie series. Well, yeah. uh, Grandma passes away in this one, but she ultimately becomes the one that turns uh, Carol Ann away from the light and delivers her back to her family. Yeah. So she kind of like, I don't know. It's a sweet moment when she calls her when she calls her on the phone and she's like, uh, she says kind of like her goodbye to, yeah. to Carol Ann. It's I mean, a sweet it's, moment. It's maybe a little cheesy when she yeah. brings her back from the light, but whatever. Yeah, what I mean, it is what it is. I also, <laughs> it's just funny to me that like they are like fighting to save Carol Ann through all of this and they just like let her go. I, don't I don't know. know. Like, you don't want to go after her? Like, I don't know. I can't save her. She's gone. Okay, <laughs> bye. <laughs> We went through all of this. We forgot our life jackets, basically. Oh, and I'm sorry. One person I forgot, not person, one thing I forgot to mention in all of this is Ebuzz, our resident golden retriever. Yeah, I know. Which in the first movie, I'm not sure if it's the same dog or not. I doubt it. Probably a different dog. Um, But in the first movie especially, he has so much personality. I know. Like, I love the part, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to go back to one. I love when he eats the waffles. Well, my favorite part is where... uh, Robbie is going to go to grandma's house yeah. and the dog like goes outside 
looks back at the family and is like, yeah, I'm going to go too. And just yeah, gets in the cab. Right. Like, totally. I don't know. But in this movie, he's not featured as much. But yeah. um, happy to see the dog make it through the franchise. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too, for God's sake. Um, Poltergeist to the other side. Do you have any other thoughts? Well, I, what, I have one more thought. Um, Craig T. Nelson drinks a lot of tequila in this. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that the drunk that he is does not match the liquor. Oh, no, not at all. That is not a tequila drunk. I don't care what anybody says. That, my friend, is a whiskey drunk. Well, and also... Do you he, agree on that? Uh, I mean, he's possessed also. Yeah, but so... can you just, let's, let's just talk about the about the alcohol. Like, that's not a tequila drunk. That's a whiskey drunk. He just also doesn't... Rem- he doesn't, like... Uh, I don't see him as, like, a tequila man. No, I mean, neither do I. Like, he just drinks Budweiser I mean, all the time. I, I get that, like, the worm thing, like... That's what you well, need. Well, okay, wait, wait. I, I guess, I, if you look at it this way, he's not a heavy drinker. Like, right. that is part of it. So, I guess, like, if we if we look at it that way, he's, like, looking for something really strong in the house. He doesn't really know what he's doing, and Taylor tries to, like, talk him out of it. Maybe he would grab a tequila. I guess that Maybe. makes sense. But I'm just saying, that drunk is not tequila drunk, and I know from experience a <laughs> um, couple things in one scene where the real cadavers were used in place of the props an entire day worth of film stock mysteriously came back black so it never filmed um so that's a whole day of filming that cost around a hundred thousand dollars i mean lost. at least at least um Critic Gene Siskel <laughs> hated this movie. Not a surprise. He said Joe Beth Williams had no shame, having twice appeared nude at this point in Teachers and Kramer versus Kramer. He called Craig T. Nelson a clothed horse, if there ever was one. He also slammed the movie's production for putting children in danger and getting off on that kind of salacious thrill. I mean, it's it's Ugh. not a, it's not a surprise from Siskel. Or from Ebert, if he had said it, to be honest. They were never huge horror fans. Right. Although I believe Ebert did love part one of this. I'm fairly sure. So I know that both part one and part two were given awards. Thumbs down. Like, no, they were given, like, Oscar awards. Yeah, like, yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Part three, not so much, but we'll get to that. Part three, I have got words about. But, <laughs> I mean, it's that's not a surprise. Yeah, I guess. Games All right, so out of a seven-stripe scale, what do you give Poltergeist 2, the other side? Well, I gave part one a six. Um, so I'm going to give part two... I'm, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to give it a four and a half. Okay, I'm going to give it a five. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of in the same space. Yeah, yeah. It's it's Like I said, it's a step down. It's not a massive fall. But, no, not at all. Uh, I appreciate that they kept the same cast and they kept the same kind of motif. Agreed. Um, and they added on to some of the, uh, what do you call it, some of the... Um, oh, God. Some of the atmosphere. I yeah, don't know. sure. They gave it more layers. So I think they did, too. They could have gone on to do a part three. It's part a shame that we get. We'll we'll talk about. Yeah, it. it's a shame that part three turned out the way that it did. And we'll be back in just a moment to talk about part three. You want to help me make breakfast? Yeah, I'd love to. Come on. Okay, we got eggs, sausage, bacon. What'll it be? Toastums. Oh no. I cook. You set the table. How's Caroline? I don't know. How would you feel if some quack? told you you had supernatural powers how do you feel deep down inside one word i don't know well lonely maybe (laughs) welcome back for our final 
film of this episode, our first trilogy review that we've ever done. And we're going to talk about, guess what? Poltergeist 3. So, Andrew, tell us what Poltergeist 3 is all about. Poltergeist 3, he's found her. Carolina's been sent to live with her aunt and uncle in an effort to hide her from the clutches of the ghostly Reverend Kane. But he tracks her down and terrorizes her relative's apartment in a tall glass building. Will he finally achieve his target and capture Carolan again? Or will Tangina be able yet again to thwart him? This is directed by Gary Sherman, written by Gary Sherman and Brian Taggart. Uh, it is stars Tom Skerritt as Bruce Gardner, uh, Nancy Allen as Patricia Gardner, uh, Heather O'Rourke again as Carol Ann, Zelda Rubenstein again as Tangina, Lara Flynn Boyle in a surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> plays Donna. Right? Kipley Wentz as Scott, Richard Fire as Dr. Seton, and Nathan Davis replacing our former actor Julian as Julian Beck. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's also from 1988, so not too far after part two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's filmed in our beloved Chicago. Woo! Um, and it's filmed um, mostly in the Hancock building, um, which, if you're not uh, familiar with Chicago's layout, is basically right next door to Water Tower Place, where some of this is also filmed, mm-hmm. and is also not too far, um, too far south of Francis W. Parker School in Lincoln Park. Um, it's probably about... I don't know, two miles maybe max from 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 the Hancock. It's one um, of the more iconic buildings in Chicago. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and Francis W. Parker, if you don't know that school, you should you should look into it. It's a really actually it's it's a wonder sorry to give you some some education stuff here. <laughs> um but it's a really it's one of Chicago's top schools and you can send your kids there from pre K all the way through high school. It's not cheap, not gonna lie to you. Uh, but back when I used to work in education, I used to do work with FWP. It's a fantastic school. It also happens to be where I met my beloved um, poet, Billy Collins, because I saw him do a reading there. Anyways, the budget for this was $10.5 million. It grossed only around $14.1 million. And I got to tell you right now, right from the get-go, that it even grossed $14 million is surprising. I, I, I'm not going to bat around the bushes with this one. I really don't like this this iterate this this vault this piece and i can't even talk about it i don't like this movie um and i don't like it for a number of reasons i'm a little more forgiving on this one i I, sure but you know there's a lot of things that i just think are really shoddily done and you know i mentioned it before but honestly the score in this film is so bad it's so bad that like you know i guess like if you watch this in 88 maybe it was different i'm sure that it was for me um, but now it, it's it's laughable bad. It's mm-hmm. laughable bad as compared to the scores for part one and part two, which are actually really you know well done, sure. especially part one. Sure. So right right away, I'm getting this feeling that like, oh, well, here's something cheap, and then like there are a lot of other parts of it too that I just didn't feel were very like cohe- not coherent but cohesive, I guess. Okay, and I don't know. It's just it was disappointing after part one and part two and especially like you know i binged all of these last night in one in one run so one to two to three and part three is definitely kind of a letdown after parts one and two it's kind of a 
guilty pleasure for me a little bit. I can understand because that it's, it's sure. kind of just like a it's just kind of a movie. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and, you know and I, mean? I get that for sure. Um, I think uh, Tom Skerritt and Nancy Allen do a fine job with what they're given. I do. I you know what? I do love me some Tom Skerritt. I'm I not gonna too. lie. I do. I was telling Maddie earlier. I don't know if many of our listeners remember this, but there used to be an old YouTube comedian. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, he he did a video called Shoes. Uh, you know, oh, oh my God, shoes! The, the, it was it was the Kelly videos, remember? Yeah, Kelly yeah. videos. Um, and I can't remember the name of the comedian. I feel yeah. bad, but um, at the beginning of the shoes video, <laughs> the, they're kind of in their minds. The family <laughs> is talking about like what they're like they wanted to do. I forget what the dad's is, but yeah. then they they turn to the mom, and in her mind, she goes, "Tom Scarrett." <laughs> I mean, Tom Tom Scarrett's a, he's a sexy dude. I mean, like he just is. I also really love Tom Scarrett as the father in A River Runs Through It. Such mm. a good role for him. Oh my god. Um, I will say when I in the first thing in my notes is Poltergeist three Ghosts in the City, <laughs> yeah, right? Totally <laughs> because it's a complete turn from our kind of suburban location to a very urban location where they uh, Tom Skerritt's character uh, he runs the building. So he's like the general manager yeah. of the building. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's poised to be that this is a new building. So they're running into some yeah. uh, quirks on and the it, building. And it's it's a very it's a very Chicago movie. And there's yeah, there's yeah, yeah. two lines actually near the near the beginning that are I thought are complete Chicago lines. The first one is the temperature got above zero for about six minutes. And then the, <laughs> yep. se- the second one is, does it ever get warm in Chicago? <laughs> Take it from us. It takes a very long time. Well, then Tom Scare, I think it's Tom Scare that says, or it might be Laura Flynn Boyle. I'm not sure. But somebody says, uh, just wait till August. I know, <laughs> right, like, exactly. You're right. Yeah. You're, you're not wrong. But you know what? what, what I will give the movie some points on that. Whoever whoever wrote that in particular yeah. understands Chicago. Yeah. Like, I wonder actually if Gary Sherman is from Chicago. He, I he might don't be. know, actually. He might be. Uh, I like when... Um, it, it, listen, Heather work. if she would have lived past this, I, I wonder yeah. what her career would have looked like because she does have like a precociousness about her, like with the way she delivers her lines. Well, and, and that really comes out in part three. Yeah. I mean, in part three, she's older. I mean, well, like she's, she's, she's growing. I love when she says a woman's entitled to change her mind. I know, <laughs> I know. But you know, but the, the, the problem is that the script wasn't great. No. And so like, there's a lot of things that, these actors had to deliver that it's not easy to deliver bad lines. Oh, you mean the fact that they said Carol Ann 121 times? Yeah, and that's because they didn't know what else to say. You know what I mean? So, like, there's only so much magic an actor can do with bad writing. What I will say about this is I do appreciate some of the mirror stunts that they did. I think that that is actually done pretty well. Like, how things are in the mirror but not in real life. Um I don't know who the makeup coordinator was on this, yeah. but they did an awful job on the Reverend. Like yeah, he doesn't bad. even look yeah. anything like the, he just looks like, he and, looks like a doll of yeah. the, of the person. It's, it's not Julian Beck as Hermit, as, uh, as Kane, whatever his first name is, Henry Kane or whatever, um, is, I almost said Herman Kane, who was the politician that just died last oh, week. Okay. Um, very, very wrong person. Um, anyways, uh, Julian Beck is terrifying as Kane because once again, he's earnest about it. Mm-hmm. He's, he's an actor giving it his all, believing in what this character believes. And you can see it. This was a puppet. Yeah. It yeah, may as, it actually yeah. may as well have 
been a puppet. It probably would have been. Or better. a Muppet for them. Or a Muppet <laughs> might have actually been funny. Um, the one that really got me is towards the beginning when Nancy Allen is sitting in her gallery, kind of like just observing, like everyone put <laughs> things together. She's sitting next to that sculpture. But it like, it turns its head in that moment. Oh, I guess I missed that. It, it, it creeped me out because I didn't remember it. You know, I'm not going to lie. I did smoke a little weed. <laughs> um, so I did totally miss that. I'm going to go back and look at that precise moment. Um, but that being said, too, if I missed it in that whole frame, you didn't frame it correctly. I disagree, but that's fine. I don't. Because um. <laughs> if, if, if it's something that important that I see a piece of a sculpture move, like, I mean, trust me, I wasn't that high. Like, I should have should have seen that on my TV. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I, what I will say is I enjoy this movie kind of like in the middle, kind of, uh, like if that makes any sense. Yeah. But um, there are some gaps that really bug me about this, and I can see why people would maybe not like this movie as much. Yeah, the fact that they send them send her away to Chicago makes no sense because yeah, they're we we never hear the rationale. Well, and we just got off of a movie that they solved the problem with family love. So there's no way they would send her away. Well, and here's the thing. They send her to a school for, what does he say? Exceptional children or something? It's a a school for gifted children with emotional problems. Her parents know, the Freelings know, what happened because it happened to them too. Why would they send her to this school for emotional problems? Not according to the psychiatrist. According to the psychiatrist, she uh, made them believe it. <laughs> yeah, and that, well, and that, that's just the thing. is like that logic doesn't hold. Like, I know. The logic literally makes no sense prima facie, like right away. So like why, why do we have a movie predicated on Dr. Seton and this like bullshit part? And honestly, that's a bit of why this movie flops. Yeah, I agree. You know? the, the whole Dr. Seton thing is just... It's... <laughs> A lot. I, yeah. I even wrote very. You can you can see right here, Andrew. Kill Doctor Seaton. <laughs> really, really large. I then I wrote please dot dot dot, and then he got killed. And I go, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I wrote down um, this hypnosis theory makes no sense. <laughs> yes, exactly. I also I also wrote down at one point, clearly twenty eight minutes before the movie ended. How are there twenty eight more minutes? <laughs> like how? Yeah, that, that's what this movie doesn't do that the other two did is the other two movies really set up the characters yeah, and precisely. really like set up like where they're at in their lives what yes. the what the um family dynamics are yeah. this one is just like and here we go like <laughs> you you understood them like it, aunt pat i also wrote down aunt pat's a straight up bitch well so and then so, i also so, then so i wrote donna i wrote right next to it also, her gallery sucks. <laughs> but Aunt, so Aunt, Aunt Pat and Don, we can talk about them both. But Aunt Pat is a is a an easy one to talk about because she does not make any sense. We don't know what is up with this Supposedly woman. Supposedly, she's Joe the Beth entire Williams' time. sister. and that makes no sense to begin with. Also, but like you never know, you never know like what what you're getting with her, and and that's that, and it's an issue. It just doesn't make any sense. She goes from being loving to being a a total bitch like honestly being a pretty bad fucking person and then back and then back and then back and nothing in there is showing us any humanity from her to like uh, make us understand why she, she is that way why she is flowing up and down it just happens and the editing is so bad in this film 
that it just doesn't make any it makes no fucking sense it just yeah. it really doesn't it's a movie full of gags that work really well yeah but the overall story just kind of just doesn't make a lot, whole lot of sense and it's it's such a shame because the poltergeist story when it starts is fantastic mm-hmm. it continues into part two and you know what it's still pretty good still pretty good you know and then part three it just is dumb i know it's it's it is so dumb and it becomes this like journey with like creatures in the air and shit like i i i I didn't buy it and it's a shame that that was heather o'rourke's last last thing yeah and there's a couple of uh, new things that they add in in this one yeah where like all of a sudden cold is a thing where did that come from? Precisely. Like, because like, the reverend set his um, parishioners out t- to the desert. So why is it cold all of a sudden? I mean, it, it gets cold at night in the desert, but it doesn't get so cold that your entire pool freezes. And also, he has completely lost his accent. Yeah. Um, it's just, there's a lot of things that they just didn't think about, I don't think. Um, I also want to talk about Marcy, the mouth. Yeah. And how much of a bitch she is. Too. Total bitch. <laughs> like, why is like, everyone in this movie such a bitch? And I just, I don't know. It's, Except for Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt's like the good, like the only good guy in this movie. If, if I remember correctly, Gary Sherman actually didn't want this to be released. Uh, yeah, they did. They filmed up to a point. Heather O'Rourke got sick. Yeah. Then they stopped filming. I think he sat on it for six to eight months. And then the studio made him finish it. I mean, you can see that because it's, um, I don't know. It shouldn't have been released. It's actually kind of sad. And, you know, like the thing that I did think about with with Heather O'Rourke especially was, you know, in the beginning, you can see her face, how it's changed. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, she was, for folks who don't know, she was being treated for Crohn's disease, which she did not have. Instead, she had a bowel obstruction. And so she was like literally rotting inside and the doctors were not taking care of her. So her entire body was swelling. And I was watching one of the scenes where you can see her face. I think it's like right when she gets out of the van to go to to go to Francis W. Parker. Um, And I was just thinking to myself how much pain she was probably in Mm -hmm. right then, like as a little girl. And it really made me very sad. It really did. Yeah. She had to feel like shit. That entire filming. Right. And she kept it together. She did what she was supposed to do. And yeah, that's just, that's tough. It was really tough to think about. Oh, I, I hear you. You know? Um, a couple of things I wrote down was, don't forget the cilantro. <laughs> oh my God. So It's like so 80s. They may, have, they may have also said, like, don't forget the fucking, um, you know, like sun-dried tomatoes. I know. You know? <laughs> um, I actually think, I don't... Tangina is in this movie. She provides a magical necklace that makes little to no sense. But Tangina's death also sucked. Yeah. I hate it. I hated her death. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I hated her death, but the aftermath where Lara Flynn Boyle's character Donna comes screaming out of it, I thought was pretty effective. Okay, but also, Andrew, like I tweeted last night when I was high, um... Tangina is not large enough to have an entire teenager inside of her. I'm sorry, but she's not. Yeah, I don't care. That was a good scene. I mean, it's I, it's good. So I, I will say this. It's good in terms of the effect, mm-hmm. but it serves no purpose. It makes no sense. I, I get what you're saying. It's, yeah. it's fun. Yeah, I, I, I will grant you that. But if we're being critical, it doesn't make any sense. I have one like, question. Why, why is she coming out of Tangina's body? I don't know. Why? It's a vessel. Yeah, um, I, I guess. Um, I have one question. Please. So, 
is Scott dead? Is he? Because he is a spirit. <sighs> He's Andrew, in the mirror. You know what, Andrew? He might as well be. Do you know what I mean? Hot yeah, Scott. Sure. <laughs> hot yeah. Scott, as he's referred to. He's also, he's also not that hot. Um, um, actually, the one other kid was hot, though. The one that was kind of like... His sidekick or whatever? Yeah, the one that's like... He's like kind of like, oh, we don't need any swimsuits. Yeah. I was like, no, you don't. You know what I mean? But um, the corniest line of this movie is where she yells to uh, Reverend Kane, what do you want? Oh, my and God. then he goes, You... <laughs> Yes, that yeah. that was corny. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I mean, Poltergeist 3. It was a third film. I have the knowledge and the power. Yes, I know, I know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I guess I'm just... If you look at it from uh, a critical eye, it's not that great of a movie. Great. If you go to it as a popcorn third movie and a, ended a trilogy, maybe it's okay. Yeah, sure. It's just, it, to me, it's disappointing because I really do think that the story, like I've already said, it's it's a great story. I hate to see it end this way, unfortunately. But all that being said, I would take it over the shitty remake of Poltergeist from 2015. Oh, God, anyways. I'm so glad we don't have to cover that. Yeah. It, you know, Pickens. You remember Pickens, Behringer? I do. Hello, Pickens. Pickens sent me a Facebook message today. He's like, you're going to talk about the, the shitty remake, right? Um, I didn't answer you back, Pickens, but here we are. Um, we're not going to talk about it, really, but everything to say that it sucked. There you go. Yeah. A <laughs> couple of things. Um, Craig T. Nelson was actually approached to, to play Steve Freeling again, and he declined saying two was enough. Um, filming the in the car garage. I wonder if he had read the script. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna... to... Guess. And it also may, he may have been approached for a, a, a four. That may have been yeah, what enough. the next one is. Um, the car explosion scene actually set the entire set on fire. Um, almost taking a crew member and a few cameras. Good. <laughs> Stop it. Um, Tom Skerritt actually makes a kind of an inside joke in the movie where he refers to Brian De Palma's Carrie to Nancy Allen, which she was in. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of right, a, right, a little right. bit of an inside joke there. Um, like I said, Carol Ann's name is spoken 121 times. That's more that than is. once a minute. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, let's see here. According to the film supervisor, Corey Burton smoked half a pack of cigarettes before recording the lines of Henry Kane uh, in order to achieve that kind of like raspy. Makes sense. Um, the original ending is a little different, um, but essentially kind of the same. Yeah. Like it's it's unconditional love, blah, 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 blah. Tangina dies. It's all It all happens the same. Um, but that's kind of all I have around Poltergeist 3. Yeah, same for me. Um, out of out of seven stripes, uh, uh, Poltergeist 3. Oh, God, let me see. I think I give it like a three. Yeah, I'm giving it a three, too. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, kind of surprised you came in at the same grade. Yeah, it's three. Yeah. And if you remember right, 3.5 is average. So just, just kind of below average, I think. Yeah. I have fun with it, but it's not a great movie. You know what? I'll give it a 2.5 now that we think about it that <laughs> Now way. that I talked to you into it. Yeah, two, two, and, two and a half. You know, I'm not going to kill it to death, but... You know, whatever. All right, Maddie, are you ready to talk about the curse around Poltergeist? I am. Spend yeah. a little bit of time on that. And so I think the first thing to really mention here with the curses is, is just death in general, right? So the first thing to think about is, you know, like we said in part two, uh, when we were speaking about it, is how Dana is just gone. And so Dominique Dunn um, is, of course, the actress that, that played uh, Dana. And she was killed in 1982. Um, Before was, the really, so one yeah. thing to note about this is that in each movie, a character died before, before the, the release. release. Yeah, 
She was only 22 years old. Um, she was strangled by her ex-boyfriend, John Sweeney. Um, he was convicted of voluntary manslaughter. He only got six years in prison. He only served three. Yeah, three and a half. He was paroled after. Uh, and that was her only um, feature film. And I didn't mention this in our discussion, but one of my favorite parts of the original movie, yeah. there's two parts that feature Dominique Dunn that I really, really like. And I can't believe I forgot to bring this up. But there is a part where the cons- the pool construction crew yeah. is hitting on her. Which, yeah, which is kind of creepy. At the time, she is depicted as 16. Yeah, So right. what and, the fuck? And even, even the mom is laughing. Well, I think she's laughing at her... Um, her daughter her yeah. retort yeah because she flips she them flips them off yeah um but the other part is at the very end where she gets dropped off by her boyfriend and everything is going yeah. ape shit what's and happening she's just like what's happening which i which i think is like a, it's, it's a really brilliant line oh it's great because it really speaks to just sort of like it it, it speaks to our lives in general mm-hmm. and it speaks to horror and it speaks to American life. I mean, I want to run outside right now and yell out what's I mean, happening. Precisely. I mean, it's, it's a guttural scream that I think we all have inside of us at one point or another. So I think it really rings true for so many. There of was us. one part. There was one part in my notes um, because Dana is kind of seen as the more fragile person in the family. Yeah. Um, I did have in my notes when the, towards the end where they're trying to get out of the garage and like the chainsaws happening. Yeah. And the, I'm like, it's a good thing Dana's not here because she would not be able to handle this. <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, so then the next, the next death would be Julian Beck who mm-hmm. died in 85 from stomach cancer, as we already know. Um, once again, didn't leave to see part, didn't live to see part two released. Right. Um, then after that, Will Sampson who plays Taylor, Died in 87 after a failed heart-lung transplant, only 53 years old. Yeah. So, I mean, really pretty young when and you think back about in the, it. And back in the 80s, just knowing from working with physicians, yeah. um, a double heart-lung transplant is very, like, sketchy. Right. Like, in the 80s. Now we can do it pretty successfully, but, like, back in the 80s, that was still... Right. Uh, and, and then, of course, we've got Heather O'Rourke. Mm-hmm. Um, died in February of 88 at age 12. Ugh. So sad. Once again, complications because of an acute bowel obstruction. She had been misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease, so they weren't they, they weren't you know, treating the actual yeah. cause. So her body was just swelling, and I think in the end she really died of like sepsis at yeah, the end. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. So just you know, really sad there. Yeah, and a more recent addition to the death list is uh, Lou Perryman. He played the role of Pugsley, which is just one of. Um, Craig T. Nelson's like buddies at the yeah, beginning, right, right, like right. when they're yeah. watching football. Um, he was actually brutally murdered by an ex-convict in 2009. So sad. So just think about all these strings of things that happened. And actually, the guy who played Ryan in the first movie, yeah. um, what's his name? Richard Lawson. Yeah. He was on U.S. Air uh, Flight 405, which crashed into Flushing Bay in 1992. While 27 out of the 51 passengers on board tragically lost their lives, he lived. Wow. So that's just another crazy story that came out of this cast. Um, <sighs> but, you know, the, the the poltergeist curse is kind of infamous. Like, I, I know I've heard a lot of people talk about it. I know there's been many specials on it. Well, I, I think it's especially tragic because a child died. And a I child mean, died so tragically. Yeah, I mean, and she—I mean, she wasn't even a teen yet. She was twelve years old. And a lot of people um, believe that, 
and this is ups, un, unsubstantiated, so I can't. Yeah, sure. I sure, can't sure. say it's true or not, but it's it's what um, Joe Beth Williams has said in the past is that a lot of people believe that the curse on the Poltergeist trilogy is because they used real skeletons instead of fake skeletons. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing about that though is, I mean, if you watch the Curse films doc doc from um, from Shutter and some other things too that I've watched. Like some of the filmmakers on 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 Poltergeist made the point, like actually that that happens kind of often, right? And I and it's one, cheaper. Well, and one thing to think about too that that I thought about while while watching those interviews was, yeah, like like for example the 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 murder of Dominic Dunn, right? Like saying that it was a curse, sort of like downplays. Well, it, it down yeah it downplays like that she was murdered by. A, a man who obviously was incredibly abusive. How did he only and, get six years? And off, who knows? He's he white. strangled her to death. He's white. And left her in her driveway. Sure. You know, I mean, it is what, and also too, did the other part of that too. Do you know the whole story about it? Like she was rehearsing a scene with another actor at the time for something else. And like when, when that guy got there, they, she went out to like calm him down or whatever. Yeah. Right. And she, they were having this fight. The guy that she was rehearsing the scene with, I think they were having an affair, pretty sure. Or, or not, not an affair, but they were, like, together. Yeah. Um, he didn't know what to do. He felt like he couldn't go out there because he felt like the guy was, like, much bigger than him. But there's also some talk about, like, well, was something, like, keeping him back from oh, going out there or something? Because, like, it's... For him, it's almost like he couldn't explain it. He was like, "I don't know why I didn't go out there. I just, I just couldn't, couldn't go." It, yeah. So it was, it was really fucked up. But yeah, yeah, I, I just think that sometimes, like the way that we try to explain awful things, sometimes can mean that we're not looking at things on the critically face, on the face yeah. of what they are. Yeah, which in this case was an abusive piece of shit who likes to be abusive to women and murdered his girlfriend, and then you know, as a consequence, murdered murdered his ex-girlfriend for yeah. no reason it's really sad it's it's incredibly sad and it, it, it truly is and it, she was awesome too and like i said when you watch these films back now knowing what yeah, has happened my god yeah it brings a whole different um aura to yeah, watching them yeah like when we picked up on that line from poltergeist 2 where yeah. she's like i don't really want to grow up i mean and how you're just like that... oh my god i'm gonna die exactly like, and she didn't even know it yeah it's really sad but anyway, we are. But anyway, <laughs> we are not going to do a game today because we feel like this was an extended episode. You're yeah. probably like, Jesus Christ, how long can these guys talk on this? So that will bring us to the end of the show, yeah. episode thirty-seven. Uh, we just want to say a couple things. Thank you, Legion Podcasts, for being our podcast partner. Um, our new patron, Akela Pratt. Thank you so much for donating. Thanks we again, really Akela. appreciate thank it. Thank you very much. Um, Call the Friday Hotline. You have two more episodes left. The Friday Hotline is a lot of fun, and we've been getting some funky ass shit. Mm-hmm. So listen, call this number. It's 872 208 3119. Once again, 872 208 3119. And say whatever the fuck you want. Because you have started to. <laughs> exactly. So just go ahead and do it. Like, go for it. And and you can tell us a story. You can tell us about this, about that. You can tell us off if you want. We don't care. Just say something 
and we're going to play it later. Yeah, we're going to we're going to react to them on episode 40. So, also to please remember that we rely on you being part of the conversation on social media. You can find us on Facebook to search for us. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at @frygay13. That's at @frygay13. Find us on the web at www.frygay13.com. You should also review us. Yeah, Do you bitches. understand me? <laughs> Take a fucking minute right now and just go review us on Apple Podcasts. We're Literally, trying, that is what gets people to listen to podcasts. Trust me. We're trying very, very hard to get to 300 by the end of the year. Yes. So we'd really appreciate your help. So help us get there. Um, and I think that about does it, Maddie. What do we always do to encourage our guests or We listeners? want them to come along with us. And we want them to get, get slayed. slayed.